0: Guy Sengstock is the founder of a process called circling, which is one of the most important conversation technologies I have ever encountered. Circling is a way to drop into the deepest listening with anybody that you're talking to, really letting them feel that you understand them and understand them so well that actually emergent truth can come out just by looking at their hand gestures and by really listening and reflecting on what they are saying we also go into the dialogos method which also allows for emergent truth and a philosophical standpoint model this on the podcast this is one of the most important shows i've ever recorded and i can't wait to share it with y'all Also, in case you guys haven't heard, we're launching a premium podcast, which is going to include a monthly AMA episode only for the premium podcast on Supercast. Also, all kinds of unreleased guided meditations, guided breath works, guided ecstatic dances, whatever we can put on there that we can support you and thank you for supporting us on our podcast, our ability to have the best tech, the best studio, the best guests that we can fly out and really try to bring this to the ultimate level of what it's capable. So, first of all, just want to say thank you for listening in the first place. And if you want to go to that next level, get more from me and contribute to the podcast in a more significant way, check it out. Aubrey Once again, Aubrey Marcus Podcast. And the bonus is you'll never hear me read another ad about anything else ever again. But first, a word from our sponsors. First up, we have NutriSense. Now, one of the most important levers to pay attention to is your metabolic health. And your metabolic health has a lot to do with your blood glucose. When you're on this constant roller coaster of taking in a bunch of sugar and then dumping a bunch of insulin to actually distribute the sugar, you can run into a lot of problems. A lot of problems that concern weight management, but just problems that concern fatigue and overall performance. But the thing is you don't always know what type of foods or what your dietary practices are that are affecting your blood glucose levels. So a continuous glucose monitor is an amazing solution. And the people at NutriSense really created the optimal solution for helping you monitor this in a continuous way. So you really know, all right, I ate this at this time and now this correlated to this blood glucose level and this is what it was doing on the inside it's an ability to actually peer into our body in a way that we've never been able to do before and putting one of these things on is painless i've seen so many of my buddies with them on, from ben greenfield and kyle kingsbury so many people who really take health and performance and optimization incredibly seriously use a continuous glucose monitor and there's none out there that i've seen better than the ones provided by nutrisense so, if you go to nutrisense.io slash Aubrey, you'll get $30 off any subscription to a continuous glucose monitor program. So, once again, go to nutrisense, N U T R I S E N S E, dot I O slash Aubrey for $30 off a subscription to a CGM program. And lastly, we have on it. One of the founding principles of Onnit was to try and make things as easy and convenient as possible without sacrificing quality and efficacy in any direction. When we made Alpha Brain, we wanted to put the best nutrients together in a single formula to make it easy to support your brain's optimal performance. But then we realized we were doing this with all of the different systems of the body, so there was still a bunch of different bottles to take. We combined them all in Total Human. Total Human is a day pack in a night pack with everything you need, not just from a vitamin standpoint, but from a performance standpoint. And that's where Onit really makes its mark. Right now, we're offering a free seven day trial for you to try it. And I know that you will feel the difference if you give it a go. Go to slash Aubrey or click the link on the screen and take advantage of your free trial, which you can, of course, cancel at any time we always make that stuff easy and just a quick note this is only available in the united states for now we'll work on it worldwide coming up and you do have to pay for shipping and tax but that's it otherwise it's a free trial you can cancel at any time once again on it.com slash aubrey or click the link on the screen and now an uninterrupted podcast with guy sangstock guy mm, aubrey good to behold you <laughs> in this in this moment right now yeah emphasize b (laughs) indeed (laughs) indeed. we could emphasize hold but it's not as good for audio yeah um we just went through a powerful weekend together well I guess it wasn't even a weekend it was two days Mm -hmm. and uh really got to dive deep in the circling practice Mm -hmm. the Logos practice Mm -hmm. but really in my mind these are technologies that can help solve what I feel is the biggest meta crisis mm. that is going on. And that's a meta crisis of a failure to listen to one another. Yeah, yeah. Like that's what we're seeing play out across the world stage. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree big time, big time. Is that what is that what drew you into this initially? Was it a, just this feeling that people were not really listening to each other. I mean, you've been in this work for a while, and obviously it's reached a heightened state right now where polarization yeah. is at yeah. perhaps the greatest extreme that I've ever seen or at least become yeah. aware of in my own life. Yeah. But I'm, it it has always existed, people not listening to each other. Right. Was that what drew you in? You know, it's interesting.
1: I My experience with getting into this and with circling has... Circling just happened one day, right? And I've been finding out what happened that day ever since. In fact, I mean the process of of developing circling and now later dialogos and I'm I'm, I'm imagining we'll go into what all those things mean. Mm-hmm. Um was something that just really emerged, but it did emerge. The first how it happened was actually in a conflict Um, there was some tension in the group that I was hanging out with. At Burning Man. Yeah, at at Burning Man. And I just got interested in the conflict. And I I guess you could say, actually, now that I think about it, it started off with just getting them to listen to each other. Mm -hmm. And then following that thread of what was there for both of them ended up being this opening, right? that went beyond what anybody would have expected. And then it led to every person in that group, this deep process. And afterwards, my friend Jerry and I, who kind of spontaneously, without really thinking about it, just facilitated it unofficially. And then afterwards, 12 hours later, right? We were walking away and Jerry's points back at where we were sitting. And he's, he didn't quite have a word. And I was like, yeah, that. I didn't have a quite a, have a word. But there was just this moment that we had where we turned spontaneously towards each other, looked each other right in the eye, and brought out our hands and, sh- and shook on it. Mm-hmm. And we just committed to whatever that was. And I think I've been finding out whatever that was ever since. So that's been my experience. It's been circling has been, and even Dialogos has been an emergent Process mm-hmm. and part of what I've come to understand, right, about why circling has went over all over the world, in spite of the personalities involved of it, you know, mm-hmm. as, as in most mm-hmm. things, you know that mm-hmm. that you know, open people who can be open to these kinds of things are usually pretty can are also pretty hurt and wounded, right. therefore I've been fascinated what actually was it about it that caught right and it's it took me a a while to realize that that I think one of the reasons that it caught is because we're in a situation with technology now that I I don't actually hear a lot of people talking about this part of it right which what technology did is it is it changed the structure of communication by uncoupling where technology enabled, and I think it first started with, with the answering machine and then multiple, like, multiple levels of social media and email and all that kind of stuff, it just proliferated. But the answering machine uncoupled <clears throat> relationship from information exchange, Yeah, right? In, in the one-on-one connection, you used to at least have to talk to somebody on the phone And because interpersonal relationship is inherently terrifying, right? It's filled with ambiguity. Like if you think about what's possible when two people face each other, you could say something that reveals something about me that I had no idea about that could change my life, right? There's like every conversation, there's a way that we're fundamentally open to each other. And that openness and that confrontation is literally how we become a person, right? Is these interactions. So if, if those interactions become optional on multi-levels, our nervous system will just move towards the most comfortable thing. Mm. So I've come to understand that like at, a, at a deeper level, I think technology has afforded us to not have to communicate at all in a relational way. Yeah.
0: Right? So if I follow this, then you're really saying that some of the underpinnings and the roots of this crisis mm-hmm. of listening is actually technology mediated yeah. in a certain way because we can just send text messages and send voice notes. And I actually, you know, look, let's be real. When I get a voice note, I'm not really listening. If I could turn it to 3X speed and just get the information itself... Mm-hmm. Most likely I would do that, except in rare circumstances with a very close person who I really wanted to hear their sweet voice say. But really it's about information and you were talking about this to us. It's not only the technology itself, it's the attitude of technology that we've adopted in which... Everything is either in, reduced to information, function, and as a resource yeah. that can help us in our quest for optimization, efficiency, yeah. excellence in whatever way that we want to do. So yeah. everything is kind of, instead of relationships yeah. between two souls, two yeah. hyper objects of divinity incarnated in the flesh, instead of this, wow, a, a person, holy shit which is actually appropriate when we behold a person Mm -hmm. it's now all right this is a function and this is information and these are things that i need to know yeah so this is at the root of a lot of this division that we're seeing is people are literally yeah not only not listening to each other but not even talking to each other yeah yeah absolutely and it's interesting because there's a lot
1: of natural things that come in that our nervous system does when i'm facing another person right and we all know this if you've ever driven, right? And s- somebody cuts you off. You're like, hey, fuck you. I can't like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah, go yeah. crazy. But if you have to then sit next to them at the at the stoplight, all of a sudden you're embarrassed. This whole other thing comes up because there's this, all this stuff that happens when we face each other. There's a vulnerability that we don't have to, we don't have to have and we have All these ways of taking pot shots at each other without having to feel the consequence in dealing with the fact that I just told you to fuck off.
0: And it's not even necessarily the retribution. It's the consequence of the mirror neurons and the natural empathy that we have. We say something hurtful. We see somebody get hurt. We have to deal with looking in the eyes and feeling the heart of the person that we just hurt. Yep. And that's uncomfortable. Yep it's a lot easier it's way easier like in that same example on the side of you know two cars pull aside side by side sometimes in rage or whatever somebody will just go right at you right and their their anger will be blinding it'll create a force field of empathy of separation which is what anger does it pushes somebody away from you so that you can attack defend run away whatever it collapses i mean it 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 prevents the intimacy yeah. from actually happening prevents any empathy from happening but usually one car will speed off and then throw the bird out the window so they don't even have to see the consequences yes. right and yes so there's so many you know instances yeah. in which we just are unwilling to bear the consequences of our communication yeah. so we create all of these different ways to create distance yeah and and that's happened on multiple levels Anybody can do it. Can sh-
1: shoot you a text, and I'm. We talked a little bit about some of the arrows coming your way. Yeah. As you've gotten more visible and put out there these things that are not common to people's understandings, you've gotten tons of arrows right coming at you. And if they were standing here, like most likely they wouldn't do that because it's good that it hurts. When I hurt you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. It's a, it's a, That's it's a good a function. thing. Yeah. It's, it's a, not a bug.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's a good thing. Right. Yeah. And so like one of the things with circling is, and I, and people are blown. I, it's, it's so interesting when, when somebody new comes in and starts circling, one of the things that they're blown away by, right. And I see this almost every time is where we do these exercises and a big part of circling is about revealing the impact of what it's like being with you, right? In in an open way. And having people do that, they're like, they come out of that and their eyes are just almost dilated with amazement Mm. because they had never really done that before, right? And I think one of One of the things about that is that when you do that, right, and you open up and you're vulnerable to somebody and you just are in response to them and are real about that response, right? There's something, there's a there's a space that opens up that is has a a level of aliveness that seems to engage our like our our serotonin system, our dopamine systems, all of the things that open up our nervous system right that come from intimacy and it's like a space of aliveness that people can touch in on it and they're like whoa how have i not known this my whole life yeah because most i mean if you look at it we talked also about this this weekend is most conversations are are set up triangularly right there's me there's you and then there's the the about the thing we're talking about mm. right almost like. Tune into any conversation, it's pretty much that structure. It's a much rarer thing to actually have the thing we're talking about be the thing that's happening right now. And the moment you do that, right? The moment you do that, people can instantly feel it. There's like a, there's an exposure. Mm. I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what you're going to say. There's this ambiguity that opens up, right? That, creates a space of the unknown, right? And that unknown can bring up a lot of anxiety, but it also opens up a space that you that you start to have experiences with the other person and hear yourself say things that you didn't know that you knew. Right. Right? And it can lead to these possibilities that no one could have ever uh, imagined that turn into all of these projects and companies and all of right. that kind of stuff, simply by being open with one another and being honest about that we impact one another.
0: And the amazing healing that can come from this. Yeah. One thing that was a really provocative idea from uh, you know Rabbi Gaffney, who I've been mm-hmm. studying with and working with, he talks about a deep craving, a fundamental craving to be intimate, to be on the inside of each other's experience. But as you said, it's scary. It's yeah. scary to do that. Yeah. You know, it, it exposes some vulnerability and you have to be really open to that experience and open to be seen and not loved, which is this primordial fear that we have to really be seen and not loved. And, and that's worth talking about, but let me finish my, where mm-hmm. I was going with this, which is, all right. So we have this deep craving yeah. to be seen and loved intimacy, to be seen and loved. However, we're afraid of it. We're afraid that we're afraid that we're going to be seen and not loved. So we. Go for pseudo intimacy. Yeah. And pseudo intimacy is trying to be on the inside together. But instead of actually going on the inside together, we place something or someone outside of us. Mm. And then by nature of there being something outside, it's we're on a pseudo level on the inside mm-hmm. of something else. Yeah. So if somebody else is outside of us, I think this is the nature of why people want to gossip so much and why as soon as two people get together, if they can start talking about somebody else, then all of a sudden they create this little false bubble of intimacy where they are on the inside, but they're only on the inside by fact that they've placed somebody Somebody else on on the the outside. outside. Well said, yeah. And so it's this very interesting phenomenon that's happening all the time, which is we're craving something, but instead of getting the actual thing, we're getting the pseudo version, like the drug version, yeah. you know, and that's, not actually what we're looking for, nor is it ever satisfying. We can continue to place people on the other side, on the outside, but it's not going to actually satisfy our deep craving to be on the inside with each other. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: That's that's really interesting. I like the way that you put that, that what happens in gossip. Yeah, you're right. It's a kind of, you're right. It seals, you even lean in and you're like, oh, that you know that bitch. And
2: <laughs> yeah, how could yeah, she do yeah.
1: that? And like, the, yeah. there's, a, there is this kind of pseudo-insular quality of belonging that happens. Mm-hmm. You're right, and it's predicated on othering somebody. Yep. Right. Yeah. You see that all the time. That is, a, that is. I like that. Yeah. I like that way of conceptualizing it because it speaks to this. It, it speaks to this. And this is, and this is, it's so interesting. I, I've never, I have so much wonder when I think about this, right? Of what a human being is like, right? Developmentally, if you think about what an infant is, an infant is literally the most vulnerable spot in the universe, like literally, it's comparatively to any other mammal, maybe any any or other organism. There's no other creature that's born more helpless, without instincts, invulnerable than, than a human infant. But the mystery is, is that when you ask yourself, who's on top of the food chain, mm. right? Like, who's who has the ability to to conceptualize and have an image of the cosmos and then wonder about where it comes from, right? Who's colonizing Mars? Who's, who's aware of their own awareness? And so there seems to be this very deep link between vulnerability and ability. Mm-hmm. And the difference that makes that difference, I think, between that, that vulnerability and it transforming into this ability, right is simply relatedness. It's the way it's the way that we're related to, right? I have a son who's six months old, and I'm just appreciating this as my second, my second son. And at this age, I'm almost 50, watching in these older eyes, watching him become, I'm so appreciative of that everything about him, right, comes to be in this inner subjective encounter, this inner subjective relationship. And there we had this moment uh, a few weeks ago that really struck me where I think I witnessed him have his first break with reality. And, uh, you know, it, if you've had kids that you kind of know this where they go from an amoeba to all of a sudden one day they have an ability, right? And he happened to not be able to move like himself at all. And then we, then I discovered that he could flip himself over when he flipped himself off the couch while I was in the kitchen, (laughs) right? And he's screaming, he's screaming. And I went to get him the bottle. My wife was at an appointment, which is a rare for those two, those two to be separate. And he's screaming. I'm getting the bottle right, and all of a sudden, I hear, I hear a thump, and a, and a, a silence. And I was like, uh oh!" And I run out, <laughs> and there he is. And he's like, he's, and I pick him up, and, and I just I realized he was fine, but he was super scared, mm. right? And he got really disoriented, and then he freaked out and started screaming, and then he looked. Is he did this really interesting thing? He looked directly into my eyes, like anywhere I moved him, he was like screaming, shaking, and I, I just took him and I held him and I had the I had the bottle, and I got him to like to feed right in between his screams, but he would not stop breaking. He wouldn't break eye contact with me, and there was this process of him shaking and then drinking and then starting to fall asleep waking up like disoriented screaming finding my eyes falling asleep this process happened over like 20 minutes until he went into the like the deepest sleep i've ever experienced him have Mm. and it was an interesting moment for me because when he fell asleep i was sitting there with him in silence and his mom's gone, right? So I had this rare, rare moment with just him having having that just happened. And I could literally feel, I could almost literally feel or see this through line or like the platonic form of a family, right, of a father-son relationship, which I had this deep sense that we were both participating in right and that where and what that meant is that where he where he becomes who he is is through the recognition of us mm. that's where he looked to find reality and i think that's so telling right yeah. that's so telling and it's 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 strange it's a little bit confusing for us because you know, if you, if you ever meditate, you'll find this out, right? All you got, if you want to get enlightened, just sit down and try to find yourself. And you'll realize like anything that you find is not you, well, right?
0: John Ravicki says the elusive eye, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. So this, so there's a way in which it really shows, that moment really highlighted this, this, this deep truth about what we are, how we're evident to ourselves, is is, is I am... The beloved mm. i become through your agapic love right through the parents agapic love i become who i am through that such that when he when he lost contact with reality it was disoriented and he just knew where to look yeah. into our eyes and and it shows how fundamental ontologically right we are relationship all the way down yeah. and that that's I think that remains true through our whole lives, right I think relationships are the way that we grow or don't grow. We develop or don't develop way into our adulthood mm-hmm. right And I think people get, can,
0: can, can kind of get that and it's it occurs to me that I mean let's just imagine for a second the infant this is probably his first encounter with gravity. This yeah. is your son's first encounter with gravity right I mean of course he's in a weightless womb. Swimming around. All things are taken care of. First of all, you have encounters with hunger, you have encounters with thirst, your the way that your waist is moved, all of these different things are now different, completely different. You're breathing air, your whole world is upside down. How do you orient back to that? Well, you orient back to that through agopic love, through yeah. the heartbeat, through being held on the chest, through being, you know, rocked and nurtured, through being talked to lovingly and through the eye contact and of course in this moment there was another huge revelation about reality oh my goodness i can fall down and it doesn't feel good how is this even possible what the hell is going on i'm just Mm. forming my understanding of reality it all looks like a hallucination and a vision and a dream still because none of it has meaning nothing has words yeah everything is just in this dreamlike state yeah and then but he finds your eyes and he's like okay yeah okay i'm okay i'm okay now move into adulthood right and especially in the time we're in lots of things are in chaos yeah and we have information coming at us this way and that way and our fears and anxieties and our world is getting turned upside down who are the eyes that we can look into yeah right we don't have that divine father leadership that's coming in where the president just sits down and he says listen i see you all yeah i love you and i'm really got your best interests in mind like trust me we got this and like here's the tough news here's yeah like we don't have that we know that that's not coming from the leadership it's not coming from corporate america it's not coming from a lot maybe a few people here or there that people gravitate towards but we don't have that ubiquitously so people are have all of this free-floating anxiety like the infant before it found your eyes, all of this anxiety and all of this, but we don't even have the intelligence to scream it out, to shake it out or anything. So we're not screaming, we're not shaking, we're not releasing the feeling and we don't have anybody or anything to assure us. We've also discarded most of our religious beliefs. So spirituality is this kind of amorphous thing unless you've really gone deep experientially and you have a gnosis, a felt sense of the divine. And you can look to the divine's eyes, to God's eyes and say, okay, okay, right. okay. Right. So no wonder so many, so many people are experiencing so much anxiety and so much suffering, which leaves them susceptible to hysteria and mass formation and all of these things. But if you go back to the root, it's just yeah. who are the eyes that people get to look into? How can we reorient ourselves? Yeah. And of course we can all be that for each other. Mm. that's what this circling is and that's why it's so healing is all of this pain and anxiousness and anxiety and depression and sadness all of a sudden you have somebody who's looking at you in the eyes and just listening and you become the beloved and you become the beloved to them yeah i mean we had i won't go into it because the circling is its own container but we had one of the most powerful Experiences I have ever witnessed inside or outside psychedelic medicine felt like something shifted literally in the space time continuum of our culture. Yeah. No medicine at all, just the circling exercise, yeah. just looking in the eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And listening. Yeah.
1: Totally. And it opened up, you know, it opened up like fundamental issues. Right, fundamentally, yeah. like the, we had a the, I, we had African American man talk about what that was like for him. Yeah, right. In in ways that he couldn't quite comprehend that he was doing, he he felt comfortable to do. It's and out of that, when you because I had that feeling too, as as we were doing that circle of, I'm like, whoa, this is. This doesn't happen often, first of all. Yeah. Right. And I had a feeling of that experience of what he went through. I felt I got close to understanding what it was like being him.
0: As close as we could. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know if there was. I mean, we were people were like gutturally weeping. Yeah. I mean, it makes me emotional just thinking about it. Like. Even to catch a glimpse yeah. of his life, yeah. Even to be let on the inside of that, yeah. It was like overwhelming, yeah. Overwhelmingly powerful, yeah. and the healing for everybody involved, the understanding, right. the it was it was unbelievable. Mm. You know what was able to transpire there, and yeah. that's just from a just from that glimpse of yes of true true empathy. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Really, 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 really listening. Yeah. Really, really, really listening. I uh yeah, I was really struck by that whole that whole weekend. Um it's not uncommon in those weekends to have those experiences and it's and it's interesting how strangely close they are. Like all we did, right, is we did what's always available is we sat down and we pointed our face at each other and we made sounds, right? Back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. really strange when you think about it from that angle. Right. Just doing that, making sounds at each other in a kind of a rhythmic way, out of that comes the whole world, right? So we're talking about, when we talk about listening, people may go, ah, uh, you know, it's kind of a therapy kind of a thing or something, something soft or, or, or self-helpy or something like that. But when you really think, look at where the world comes from, it comes from conversation. Mm -hmm. Where does possibility open up in? It opens up in language, right? You, I would imagine, I'm sure if we sat down and talked about, you know, on it and this podcast and sitting in this office and those paintings, I'm sure that we, I'm sure what we'd end up talking about is at some point you heard a possibility open up. Mm-hmm. Right, you heard it, right, and then you started talking about it, right, and it came up, and then you start relating to it, and then a whole organ organization comes around it. So, listening, on one level, it's there's a sense of listening empathetically, right, but at another level, when we talk about listening, listening is an, is I think if we think about ourselves ontologically speaking. What a human being is, is listening, mm. right? It's a deep listening to possibilities, right? To context, to all like multi-levels of meaning and to be struck by them and be opened to them and be then be able to respond to them yeah. in conversation, right? So I just wanna like highlight like what we're not talking about, what we're talking about is is, is not just a therapeutic kind of encounter, right? That's that's unusual or, ex- or exceptional. What we're talking about is the very thing that makes the world go around literally, mm-hmm. right? In a big way.
0: Mm-hmm. And to listen really means that we need to stop listening to ourself all the time, at least the separate self, the mind that is constantly projecting our own opinions, thoughts, ideas onto other people So in, and other things. So instead of actually listening to a person, we're listening to what our projection of that person is and filtering it through our own filter. So we're not listening to anything at all. Yeah. We're actually listening to ourself through another person. Yeah. We're projecting onto the divine and listening to the divine you know, through as ourself. Uh, well, that's an interesting topic. Of course, we can say that we are the divine, but I'm talking about our separate self. Mm-hmm. So we're so noisy and so projective that we're not actually listening to anything at all. And all real insight and all, all the real magic comes when we can bring all of those projections back within ourself. Yeah. And actually allow the truth of another person's expression in, yeah. in its entirety or another thing's expression in its entirety to permeate us. Yes. Absolutely. And it's
1: it's interesting because listening is so mysterious to me. I could think about I mean I could talk about listening for ever. Like mm. encircling that you could say that one of the things that circling is is a, is a is a is a is almost like a spiritual practice in listening, and I have been struck and continue to be struck with how transformative listening is, right, for the listener,
3: mm-hmm.
1: right, and for the person being heard. But one of the things about listening is. I mean I told I told you this story in w- with a mentor of mine who, who is he's you know, he would one of the things he would do is just out of nowhere he'd be like, he'd go he'd go, All right. Let's talk about listening. <laughs> or he'd go let's talk about reality.
2: <laughs>
1: His name is Ron Bynum. He he basically kind of he was in the he, he was instrumental in, in in est back in the in the 70s has a long history and leading courses. And now he, 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 uh, he consults with big companies and stuff like that. And he befriended me and was a mentor of mine for a while. Um, and I'll never forget when he said, all right, let's talk about listening which led to like a six-month process with him of going up to his house in Healdsburg and like walking along the river and spending three days there and staying up all night and, 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 and going into these deep conversations. But the one about listening, is it was a question that he asked me that was striking. He said, what is it, what is it that you need to get about listening? such that if you don't get this about listening, listening isn't possible. <laughs> and we were, we were at Heelsburg, and Heelsburg has like a little, like a, a little town square and a park in the center of it. And we did laps around that square with me, like emptying my mind of all of the smart philosophical, right. Answers that I had for him. And it was we probably lapped it about three times. And at some point he just stopped and he's like, all right, you ready? I'm like, I think so. <laughs> it's like, what you got to get about listening such that if you don't get this, listening is not possible for you or anybody else. You ready? I'm like, yeah. He's like, and he looks me right in the eye and he says, you don't. You don't listen. And if you just kind of let, let that sit for a second and work its way into you, it starts to make real profound sense right mm. because we as you were taught as you were i think alluding to l- we don't n- in- until i can hear that i don't hear until i can listen that i don't listen listening is impossible but the moment the moment i recognize and overhear myself not listening is the moment i start listening Right. Right, is the moment I start listening. Right. And that's where it opens up. And a lot of times it's like, we don't really listen. We listen to all of our preconceived ideas, right? All of our preconceived judgments and prejudices and and assumptions about things, right? And I can go my whole life not even recognizing that I never, ever actually heard you. Mm -hmm. I never actually listened to you. But when you do, and you start to recognize like, oh, I wasn't hearing you just now. That's like an opening. Yeah. That's like an opening.
0: You know, it's one of the things that occurred to me is that nobody knows the same person, Mm -hmm. right? Like because of the inevitability of our projections. Yeah. Like we're always projecting a little bit and filtering somebody. But the closest we can get, just like we said, the closest we could get to understanding... You know, my brother's experience was by really deeply listening and then opening our hearts as fully as possible. And in doing so, we not only felt as close as we could to feeling what he felt, but we also got to see him through unfiltered eyes as close as we possibly could. Right. And so in that moment, we all got to see pretty close. Yeah. Pretty close to the same person. And we got yeah. to feel pretty close to what what a little flavor, a sliver of what he what he had endured in his life was yeah. like. Yeah. And that's about as as good as it gets, but it's like one of those things. It's the it's the finger pointing at the moon. You know, it's yeah. like we're gonna we're gonna point to this thing. It's not that we get to the moon, it's that we're striving, we're striving to really see reality, see each other mm-hmm. without our biases, without our snap judgments. Yeah. You know, I made a post about, you know, what's happening in Ukraine right now. And I don't know when this podcast will release, but in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. but it was interesting, you know, and really my first, the first paragraph was just, let's take a moment and like, listen to the, listen to the sorrow of those that are affected, not from a place of just acknowledgement as a virtue signal. Like mm. before I even share any of my thoughts, let's just make sure we take a moment and connect, you know? Yeah. And a lot of people were, you know, moved by that. And then there's, you could see that some people who are so charged up about their own stories that they just blast right through that and just start commenting about the new world order and the great reset and the, this thing and that thing and Trump and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Mm -hmm. just like, let's just take a moment here and like sit and sit with this. And it's, it's such an essential skill is even just that, you know, we'll get into this a little bit in the, in the Dialogos that we're going to model, but it's called aporia, like this just moment of, of reflection to like, let some overwhelming thing, just like, let it sit, like, let, let yourself sit in it for a moment before immediately responding, you know, or reacting, I should say. It's not even a response. It's a snap reaction. It's like someone hit your knee and you kick. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you take like a moment's pause, like that's not only important for our thinking, but it's important for our humanity. You know, like it's deeply important for our humanity to just <sighs>
2: really pause. Yeah.
1: yeah. As you were talking, I was. Um, it's interesting as I, as I was listening to your your you when you said take a moment and let's just pause and listen to the suffering listen to what's happening to the people being affected. It was interesting because I was uh, experiencing one, as I just flashed to all of the scenes on the news that I had been watching and then the people in in the subway taking shelter. And then I noticed when you started talking about pausing that your words, your words were both, They were both revealing of what's happening, but also instructive. Mm. Like I found myself just sinking more into my body and getting a lot, like my energy was a little bit higher and now I feel a little bit deeper. Mm. Yeah, so thank you for that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm. And it's a reminder that I'm not giving to the world because I do it right all the time. It's a reminder for myself too. You know, like, just take that moment, you know, take that moment, whatever it is, whatever challenging thing happens, whatever thing you find out in your partnership or this thing that's revealed or this new piece of news or just taking a moment, you know, I see it too in the, in the whole COVID debate, you know, people celebrating when there's some you know, revision of some death statistic in one way, either celebrating, cause there's more deaths reported from mm-hmm. vaccination. And I'm like, take a moment. Like, yeah, all right, you may, you may have been, you may be a little more right than people are giving you credit, but what you're talking about is death. Yeah. Death, like yeah. that's tragic. Yeah. The lockdowns didn't work. Okay, that's tragic. You know how much suffering was endured? Like take a moment before you just get into your argument, like being right has become so, people are so excited about being right that we're willing to be right at the cost of our humanity. Yeah. You know, like way better to be wrong and have humanity suffer less, you know? But we've kind of lost this idea. It's this antagonistic, we're in the war, casualties are part of war, it doesn't matter, but it doesn't have to be that way like the way out of war is not the war mindset. It's the removal of the war mindset back to the human mindset of like, this is all tragic. Like, let's feel this first. Yeah. And then we can discuss the issues, of course. Yeah. Those need to be discussed. But until everybody pauses, not a lot of communication is gonna happen. Not a lot of listening is gonna happen either.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the, i mean what i think what you're talking about is this we talk about this encircling is i mean a big part of being authentic right has two components to it on one level authenticity in terms of communication has to do with um being transparent right like so I'm authentic about what's actually going on inside of me. And I allow you to see it, right? And I I say those things to you that you could only know if I shared them with you. But then there's another part of being authentic, which is also what I call being permeable, right? Mm. Like really being porous to the world, like being porous to someone else's pain, to be porous to what's going on in Ukraine. And your, your words were instructive in porosity, mm. right? And I think that people, you know, it's funny, of over 25 years of leading courses and coaching families, and I've even like, I've even like moved in with families for a couple of weeks <laughs> to work with them. And um, I've never had the experience where I've suggested somebody be like, hey, It may be a good idea if you were vulnerable right now. I've never had anyone go, "Oh my God!" I've been waiting for someone to tell (laughs) me that, right? Oh boy, right. Mostly, it's like they shake in their boots. They're like, "Okay, right." But it's really interesting because I want to I want to make a distinction between what what I call vulnerability and what we also often associate with vulnerability, which is exposure, right? exposure is really, really different than what we're talking about, right? Exposure is that experience that usually traumatizes us. It's where, you know, it's like you're in the playground and somebody comes and like like pulls What's your, your pants, pants down, right? And you're humiliated or or you trip and fall or somebody, call, like somebody calls you out in public and disgraces you or something like that. Like the, these are the kinds of things that just lead to deep humiliation and shame and like people can get traumatized by that. The vulnerability, I think, what what makes the, the the difference between exposure and vulnerability has to do with the voluntarily turning toward, right? To like so as you as you just instructed right there, let's take a moment and voluntarily open our pores, mm-hmm. right? And there's something, there is something about doing that and facing it. Proactively being vulnerable, right? That is a which is a a completely different experience, right? Than being sidestepped or swipe swiped or being exposed in that sense. And this is where I think vulnerability becomes a virtue. Yeah, right. This is where vulnerability becomes a virtue.
0: It's so necessary in so many other fields. I mean, we're talking about geopolitical issues right now, but you know, I was CEO of Onnit for. A decade <laughs> and i had to terminate a lot of people mm. and as ceo you have two choices in determination well three really one you let somebody else do it because it's uncomfortable right cowards way out yeah. uh, it's the cowards way out if you had anything to do with them being hired and you have any, anything to do with them being fired sit your ass in that meeting it's important it right. matters it matters to you it matters to them yeah. it matter it matters and you know this is this is season one of game of thrones where ned stark you know says if you read the sentence you wield the sword like you can't not get your hands bloody if you're condemning someone to death you don't let the executioner do it you got to do it yeah right there's something very honorable about that so that's that's part one but then you can also then choose to take a sociopathic posture where you're not connected to that individual at all. And this is just handling business and I'm just handling business. Sorry, it's just business, just business. And you remove yourself, you close your pores, you become impermeable, mm-hmm. opaque to those different feelings. That leaves the other person without... <laughs> I've been in situations like that on both sides. I've been terminated and I've been in the room where an executive was terminating and took that posture and it's it's really brutal for the person who's experiencing it because somebody it tells them about the world that the world is callous and they don't fucking care. Yeah. That those above them are callous mm-hmm. and they don't care and so it creates this kind of idea like well fuck them, I'm going to get mine. We're in an antagonistic relationship because obviously they don't care. Yeah. You yeah. know. Yeah. And then option 3, which is the option I did my very best always to take, which is it's tough. I would, you know, I knew that it was coming and I knew that it would be painful. And you know, you wake up that morning and you're just dreading the whole situation, but you, cause I knew I was going to go in and I was going to feel them and I was going to let myself be porous. And if they started crying, oftentimes in that situation, I start crying. Yeah. Doesn't mean I change my mind. You know, I still stay firm in my decision, but I can feel it. I can feel the weight of what just happened. And in all of those situations, I mean, <laughs> I can't think of top of mind anybody that I've been a, that's been a part of that termination that wasn't ultimately still an ally down the road. Because in that, in that crucial moment. Yeah. We establish something and we establish like, I care. Yeah. I care about you. Yes. I'm making a decision and you may not agree with it and you may not like it. It may be uncomfortable for you. Yeah but I care about you. And so the decision isn't done callously. It's like you matter. And that's, it's super important. So anybody in business, like yeah. I encourage you guys or whatever relationship too, you know, you can take that <laughs> again, removed, closed off posture. And I've definitely been probably worse at that sometimes, you know, in, in my history, breaking up with somebody and just being closed off. Yeah. Well. Wow that's fucking brutal and but i understand it's scary if you open your heart then it might it might change your mind right so you might think i need the courage and i have to close myself off sometimes we might have to do that totally if we don't trust ourselves and that's okay like this is not it's not about judging it skillful means yeah yeah but but ultimately like the way to do this is with your heart like fully out and allow yourself to really feel the experience and, and i think that's an important skill. It's like ice baths, yeah. you know. Like you got to just go in, and you deal with the cold. But if you can do it, you come out better for it, you know. And both people come out better for it. Yeah, sounds like it. Sounds like
1: you staying open to the person, right? That you're, you're not just firing an employee. There's you're right. you're 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 changing a fundamental relationship with a human being and so just staying open and porous and permeable and transparent to their humanity all the way through that it sounds like like it's funny as you talk about that it sounds like like a bonding
0: experience actually yeah yeah i mean we're both we're both i'm there with them yeah in a very dark and challenging time yeah at least challenging if not yeah. dark yeah. You know like they know that I'm there with them. And and there's something that even though they might blame me and they might, you know, hmm. talk shit to me about me that night at the bar or whatever, it, it's okay. Like hmm. the somewhere they 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 could feel that I was there with them. Yeah. And I was willing to go to the deep. Yeah. And uh, and I think that's Im, that's important. It's huge. I it's, it's so huge cuz I think that
1: there's just it seems to me one of the scariest things for human beings for all of us right is to be known without being loved Mm -hmm. right it's to and if you think about that and this is a little bit what we're talking about with social media it creates this opportunity for people to be exposed right yeah without having to really address the thou right with the other that sense of when you think about so Martin Buber, who's been a big influence on his work, has been a, bit, a big influence on me, was was really highlighted. This right, Martin Buber was a philosopher, kind of a, a Jewish theo, theologian. A lot of a lot of people called him a mystic, but what he saw, what was missing in modernity, was this kind of numbness, right. A kind of nihilistic numbness in which we were losing our ability to actually see other people as ends in themselves. And he called that I thou. And what's interesting about this, on one level, you you know, you're talking about we could look at what that whole experience of firing somebody, right? And doing it, firing a person, Mm -hmm. being in the impact of that, right? What he would say is that what you did is you genuinely addressed and were addressed in a real encounter right right and he talked about that i thou he used to say this thing that i thou is spoken as one word and he said that there's two existentially we have two fundamental ways of relating with that with anything we either have an i it relation or an i thou mm. relation and both of them are spoken as one word and essentially to he would say that when I relate to something as an it, uh, if you become a means to my own end, right? Right. However, when I relate to something as a thou, right, you, be, I relate to you as an end in yourself, right? Of I'm before something of ultimate concern, of ultimate value, right? And what's interesting about that is is that they really are, when he says they're spoken as two words, you know that, right? Because you can feel it. You can feel that when I relate to you as thou, there's an I that that I am that's mm-hmm. different than when mm-hmm. I relate to you as an it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you mentioned about, yeah, like we don't wanna necessarily like undiscriminately open to anybody, right? Mm-hmm. That We have to have, you know, people are, anything can happen. Sure. like. As, as Jordan Peterson would say, like, you're you're a whole vat of snakes, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder, no wonder, right, we want to close off and I want to relate to you as an it. However, I, I think the thing I want to I wanna emphasize from my own experience with this is in circling, one of the things that's been really interesting to me is that when people experience circling The way that they go about practicing it is about learning how to facilitate it. Yeah, it's really that's I've always found that really striking. It's it's kind of like if you if you look at it from the vantage point of say like something like psychotherapy. Let's just say that the the goal the goal or the outcome is you go to therapy and 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 the goal of the therapy is to and you know it's working when you want to become a therapist, Right. right? There's this element of circling that I think reveals something about that that there is an openness, right, when I can relate to you as a thou that I get to have. Yeah. Right? That it's deeply satiating for me when I open up, when I when I when I'm honest with you about something and I have to I have to say something to you that may hurt you. Right. Or I, or I have to cut off a relationship with you or, or, or fire you as you're, as you're talking about. And I, and I open up to the chaos and the pain of that, right. With you. And I feel it all the way. It may be painful, but it's not suffering. Right. Right. It's not suffering. It's, it's when, it's when I cut off and make you an it right and i defend myself against the chaos of that right that i shore up this i right that now becomes brittle because i have a wall around me mm. right and i think this is what happens in judgment right when people talk being you know when people talk about being judgmental essentially you can, I th- I think you could, you could look at judgment as the mind's way of resisting anxiety. Yeah. Right.
0: It's the ultimate itting of somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you judgment, you've created an other, you've created an it. Yeah. You've reduced the thou to a, a function of a, or an expression of a being. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. and it happens in all forms of scapegoating at at its most extreme, yeah. but all minor levels, you know, even as we were talking about earlier, as soon as you place somebody on the outside, you start to it them, and then that creates this false sense of thouness, I thouness between you, but it's not really real because you've just itted somebody else. So you've just tried to create artificial contrast. Yeah. Yeah. You know. We inherently know though that it's wrong. It's wrong like when you see on the if they want to paint uh like a ruthless executive in a bad way they'll have that ruthless executive they'll hire somebody who'll be like the axe company a company will come in to do the terminations yeah right and then we inherently know that that's wrong and yeah. we inherently know that the person who did that is a villain yeah but in the, because ultimately then they, they are not going to be opening up to people. They're going to say, oh, well, you know, just doing what I was told and yeah. there's no gripe with them. They're intermediary, mm-hmm. interlocutor between the person making the decision and the actual execution. But technology is that same kind of cat's paw, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so technology is the same way where yes, mm-hmm. it's you, but it's like the technology becomes the cat's paw that receives, yeah. you know, buffers all of the actual feeling. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah i just it's interesting to see the it's not like this is a new thing we've been trying to buffer ourselves from an executioners back in the day buffering right. the king from having to deal with his right with his thing you know generals not being on the battle battlefield you know and seeing the soldiers of course the great generals are right there leading it and feeling it yeah. that's what makes a great general is their willingness to be there with their men right you know like the great story of alexander the great whatever his reasons were he's deep in india fighting elephants it's swampy it's muddy there's mosquitoes it's fucking crazy his men want to go home they're a long way from greece and but he's always out there with bucephalus his horse with this double plumed helmet not letting everybody know like you want to know who alexander is here i fucking am here's the guy with that so The men are like, we want to go home, Alexander. We want to go home. We're ready. It was at the point of mutiny. And as the story goes, he just pulls off all of his armor, disrobes his tunic, and he shows all of his scars, Mm. all of his scars. Mm. And he says, bring forth a man who has bled more than me and we will go home. Everybody looks around They look at all his scars, just riddled with arrow wounds and slashes. And they look around and I say, all right. And they just start pounding their chest, like, all right, yeah. like we'll continue to follow you. why? Because he was one of them, yeah, like, he could feel them, he knew their yeah. pain he was he was suffering with them, yeah, you know, and then all of a sudden that created the solidarity, yeah, like, we know that we know right. that's like that's what that's what togetherness is and it's the like bond feeling it the bond, and you're going
1: like this with your hands, right, yeah. and it's like as you're talking about the intensity of it, it's it's more and more taught. yeah this. It's it's interesting, vulnerability in that way that you're talking about, that, that story completely exemplifies this connection, right? Between, well, one, vulnerability and leadership, mm-hmm. right? And two, vulnerability and a sense of ground, right? And a sense of orientation and a sense of being held, right? And belonging into something, right? That I can... Relax and makes me an, interestingly more powerful, yeah, right? more able, right? So the thing about the thing about judgment, which is which is if, if you ever want to just really kind of get to know yourself, just start tracking throughout the day anytime you just notice yourself say like saying stuff about other people in your head, mm-hmm. right in your responses to them. And you need a you need a big notebook. For yeah, you. totally. Totally. <laughs> and and you if you look at if you look at judgment as as the mind's way of managing anxiety. This is it becomes really interesting because people the, the what makes a judgment a judgment right is usually it has some discernment. But what makes it a judgment is an insinuation of a um, a claim of identity, right? So I can basically what I what I think you just modeled in the way that you fi- you fired people, right is in some sense you've discern you you've made a judgment in, 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 in discernment about this isn't going to work, right? And you have criticisms about about the way that they do things. But what you didn't do, is you didn't go, like you didn't you didn't use that discernment as a, a an identity claim about who they are. Mm-hmm. That hook, that identity claim, is the thing that goes manages the chaos, right. right? Like not like nominalizations and generalizations are all ways of like if it gets too chaotic, it's, if it's too threatening over there, all I gotta to go I gotta go do is go. Oh, that's you're just, or yeah. that's just. And in that moment, I separate myself from, from that chaos. I keep it out, but I'm also separate. And that's where the suffering is. And the reason why I I, I want to kind of double click on this is because I, I can't emphasize this enough because it, the one who suffers in judgment, the one who suffers in contracting your heart is us right and and what it takes to well you just look at it like this when you fall in love with somebody right and you see or you see people in that that early stage of a relationship where they're just wide open right they're wide open with their new lover but during that whole period of time like the sun sets brighter right Mm -hmm. Like your, the, your mother's less irritating. There's more possibility. And I think what that shows is how, how whatever it is in us that judges somebody interpersonally is not local. It's always global, mm. right? Because if I, if I have a resentment against you or a judgment against you, right? The sunset isn't gonna be as bright the world isn't going to be have as is, isn't going to be as possible, right? There's this, there's this deep connection between that it's like there's one artery or something. Like if I contract to you, yeah, I contract to everything else. Yeah. Right. And so that's one of the things I think why it's so powerful for my own benefit in terms of my own happiness, right? In terms of Really, really relating with people as a thou, and noticing my judgments and letting them go, right in a big in a big way, is a, is this is simply the way that we are open. Yeah. Right. The way that we are open.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, looking at it that way, what I could see and what I could imagine when you were saying that is. You were talking about the hook of the hook of you know identifying someone and, and placing a judgment on their identity and then recreating their identity and reducing them to an it. It was almost like it was like a part hook and part like the Spider-Man web that just keeps them stuck. Yeah. In this thing that they can't get out of, you know, you've placed a Spider-Man web over their mind, you know, in your mind over the entirety of them, and they're stuck in that thing. Yeah. But what we don't see is there's that same hook, that same Spider-Man web that comes all the way back around and hits us right in the back. Yes. You know, like a ghost, a phantom version of that, that's also equally real, that's coming around and locking us, locking us. And it goes back to this idea that, you know, we are not a drop in the ocean, we're the ocean in a drop. Mm -hmm. That, or in another word, you know, Atman, which is our internal divinity, is brahman is all of god so our internal divinity which is who we are is all of the divine so the moment we start judging an aspect of the divine we are inherently judging ourselves and to judge ourselves is to exile that part of ourselves so we're the more judgments we have the more we have exiled a piece of our own divinity
1: yes yes And
0: this is, and you continue to do that more and more, and then you're shrinking and shrinking and exiling more and more pieces of yourself until what's remaining is hardly anything at all because you've judged someone for pretty much about anything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's,
1: I. if I, yes, if I contract to anything, I contract to everything. Yeah. And that's, I think that's so telling and comes back to how fundamentally relational we are as human beings we just there's no way around that right we we're not things right we're we are an we're an opening and i'm always even when i'm alone my very aloneness right is given by that i am alone in from the context of being in a social environment right it's it's all the way down we're relational so this is This is so, so, so important.
0: Yeah. And people will assume like, well, fuck, what about people doing legitimately evil things? Yeah. You know, and this is where it gets hard because people need to separate, disentangle the conflation between non-judgment and non-discretion yep. and non-action Yeah. right like you can still have discretion and take action even up to the point where someone comes in with a gun into my house and is trying to you know kill rape assault my wife you know i am going to grab my own gun and defend us like i will you know, if that's the option on the table and will with lethal lethal force if necessary. Mm -hmm. It still doesn't mean that I have to go through that loop of judgment. Now it's gonna be very difficult to avoid it, of course, right? Very difficult to avoid it. But you can still do everything that you think you need to do with discretion and action taken on that discretion, but without the judgment, because the judgment is actually... You think it's doing something for you, but it's not. All you really need is discretion and action. The judgment is always going to come back, yeah, and hurt yourself. Yeah, totally. And that's and it's interesting because it's the discernment, right? The
1: discernment isn't what makes it a judgment, right? Right. What makes it a judgment is is the is basically taking this hyper object and making it like summarizing it as you're just fill in the blank.
0: Right? right, and in that moment, my whole being closes. And we get that because we watch a movie like Joker, right? Like Joker in some older Batman's is just a psychopath, yeah, like just a fucking psychopath, yeah. And then in later Batman's, you start to see more of his humanity. And then finally in the movie Joker, you see Joker as yes, a psychopath eventually, and a guy with a, who is a little bit off. Who really wanted to be loved by the world. Right. Who really wanted love and that love was closed off to him and something very dark happened when that love was closed off. So now Joker is not just the the psychopath or the robber or the the, this thing, which we love to do, you know? And I think when you get a felony or something, you're a felon, all right? You're a human being, an amazing human being, a, a hyper object, as we've been saying of a human being who happened to commit a felony it's yeah. all true I'm not trying to deny that or excuse that you mm-hmm. know you did something yeah. but nonetheless you were far more complex yeah. than that what you did and even the joker the psychopath is not just the psychopath he is the human all the way through that eventually expressed in mm-hmm. this way mm-hmm. that was psychopathic
1: yeah absolutely and you know i th- if i remember right that that he was isolated, yeah. Right, isolation is we get so we get so crazy when when we isolate, right? In a bit, in a big way. Allah, uh, I'll never forget the. I saw this. I think it was a uh, an. Uh, it's like a documentary on a some some serial killer, and at the end, he got he got sentenced to you know eight thousand. I think it actually got sentenced to death I think. And they showed they showed the the families of the victims, right, having their last words. They 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 let them say some stuff. And you see like people getting up there and going, "I hope you die in hell." Like, "I hate you. You are a evil man," right? All of these you know, understandably intense, intense hurtful things. Sure. Right? And then there was one woman that got up there and she said, you know, I think you and I have suffered enough here. I, I don't know what happened to you, but I bet if I, if I did, I could, uh, I could begin to understand what you did, but I've suffered enough. We've suffered enough. I fully forgive you. I fully forgive you. And I want you to, you ought to go to jail and you, you ought to face this but I'm going to let go of my resentment of you and my judgment of you. And there was, and it was really interesting because in all of the other, with a, when any, all of the other people spoke, he was like a stone, right? He was like unresponsive and he was just mm-hmm. a stone. And when that woman spoke, you see tears start to come up to his eyes and he started to crack, right? And in that moment, he became human just for a second. And what's interesting about that, right, is if you look at that moment, that was a moment where he actually, by her seeing him as a thou and for forgiving him, right, not approving of what he did by any sure. stretch of the, but genuinely contacting him as a human being, right, and, and forgiving him was a moment that he cracked open and for a moment, faced what he did, right? Where people were like, when people were throwing daggers at him, like he was, he had no, he had, he did not confront what he did. Right. When that woman was loving with him was the moment he actually faced the consequences of what he did for a moment. And I was like, that, that I, that was, that's so, so so deep
0: yeah 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 you could imagine that he was in a world where everyone was in it yeah in a world where everyone was in it in this kind of technological extreme sociopathic technological mind mindset and if everybody's in it then he can justify his crimes in mm-hmm. his violence because it's not a real person that he's doing that anyways. And that person is just, would just judge him like everyone in his life has judged him and deny him love like everyone would. It was in this it world and all of a sudden she collapsed his entire world, Yeah, you know? And that therein lies the, you know, we think that forgiveness lets somebody off the hook, but in this case that actually opened him Mm -hmm. to the real pain of what he had caused, the truth. Mm-hmm. That you cannot do something to someone else and not feel it. Yeah. Like it opened him to that. Going again to the to the Joker story, even in Heath Ledger's version, you could see a moment where his world started to crack. He created this scenario where there was two boats that were like pulling against each other and they were both gonna they were both gonna perish. Yeah. But if one hit a button, then the other boat would explode. And so they had the option to kill the other, right. all of the people in the other boat and batman's all fucking disheveled he got knocked around a bit so he couldn't really help anything and he's you know joker's waiting because he's like this is all a joke people don't give a shit about each other everybody's pretending to be righteous but everybody's a piece of shit and nobody cares about anybody and that's why this whole thing is a joke and it doesn't fucking matter and then the people on the boat nobody hit the button Mm. nobody hit the button and the joker starts to lose his fucking mind because at that moment, his world that everybody nobody cares about anybody because nobody cared about him, right? So nobody cares about anybody. This whole paradigm that he created, this entire worldview starts to collapse and he starts to lose it. He starts to lose it because yeah. his world was shattering. Yeah. Right? So we we yeah. underestimate how powerful these acts of goodness, these acts of kindness, these acts of forgiveness are in recreating the type of world that is just and where people aren't committing these things we have this old indoctrinated belief that the only way to keep people in line is code of hammurabi mm-hmm. you know smite them as they have smite thou yeah doesn't fucking fix anything yeah you get the hatfields and mccoys shooting pot shots at each other yeah. for you know centuries yeah yeah
1: yeah totally and like facing this this sense of just going back to how we become a person, right, is, is in these inner subject, like I-thou relations, right, that, that I become who I am through through noticing how I impact people, right? And if that, if that impact is not shared, right, there's no way that I can actually, like an infant can go, could have any sense of who they are, right, until they are responded to, right? And then, they, and then they respond to that and it impacts the mother in a particular way and they, they kind of get their own shape and we are constantly forming each other in that way, right? And so I think what one of the things we're talking about is this, this porosity, right, of being open, right, to the other and also the transparency and sharing the impact of how you've touched me, how you've moved me, how I felt hurt when you did that, right? Like what didn't work for me in that moment and you open up that exchange. There's so much important there's so much importance going on, but it's also these moments of deep vitality when we do that, mm-hmm. right? And it's if you want somebody to face the consequences or help them face the consequences of of something that they did in your life that was difficult, that you didn't like, really share it with them
0: without judging them, Mm -hmm. right? Like really point at it, right? The moment they feel that judgment, their walls of porosity are gonna go opaque, they're gonna close off, the force fields are gonna be up. So what you're actually sharing is not gonna actually land. You really wanna make an impact? Yeah do it without judgment. It's counterintuitive. We think yeah. judgment are the arrows. Oh, let me point all my guns and all my arrows at you and that'll get you. No, they're they're closed off. The Klingon yeah. shields are up. Right. right. But if you go without the arrows, yeah. then all of a sudden, all of the softness and truth of these words actually starts to work. Yeah. And the convulsion of sorrow has the chance to actually shake through the body and right. release. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And it's also, there's this el- element of if somebody has violated a boundary of yours, right, which all upset basically signals like a, there's been a, a boundary violation of some kind. If you can actually really take, whenever, whenever somebody crosses a line with me, there's, there's this cool thing that happens is I get upset, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that upset lets me know that I care about stuff, right? There are things that are okay with me and not okay with me. Now, that upset, I would say, one, alerts us to the, bo- to, the, to the boundary violation, and two, it gives us energy to do something about it. Now, what we do about it, what we do with that energy is the difference that makes the difference. Right. But one of the reasons, like one of the, one of the benefits of like openly, non-judgmentally sharing the impact of when you said this thing that I felt hurt about is I actually that could become a moment in which you get to know me? Yeah. Right. Like, and if you know where my as my friend Mark Lewis likes to say, if you know if you know that there's a lot, the line is right here. You could be a hundred percent all the way up to that line, but if if that line is unclear, like a lot of times people stop a lot a lot shorter and all of the aliveness is as close to the boundary as possible. Yeah. So upsets are these really amazing opportunities for you to realize that you have boundaries, <laughs> right? You to find out, because if you ask me what my boundaries are, I can probably say something smart, but I don't really know yeah. until, but the moment you piss me off, I know exactly where they are, right? right? So it's, it's this moment of upsets Upsets are these moments of it. You get revealed to yourself in that, and you have the opportunity for the other person to get to know you. Yeah. And through that exchange, this this allows you to be a hundred percent all the way up. And I think it's like an as it's an asymptote, right? In that sense, is you can get infinitely, infinitely close to that line by just simply noticing how we affect each other, yeah. right? And openly and lovingly, right, sharing it with one another. There's yeah. all of this possibility of relationship and aliveness.
0: And I think also it's important that if the line is crossed, that yeah. it's not the unforgivable, Yeah, the unforgivable thing, where you're then, your identity is linked with the line that you crossed. Yeah. You know, which is also culturally and interrelationally an aspect of know somebody fucks up and makes a mistake right like yes I think there are unforgivable things in certain elements in certain ways in which like you may never want to be with that person ever again right Mm -hmm. like in a relationship for example if someone gets violent all right that's that could be the thing and I think most likely should be the thing that says this is done in this capacity still forgiveness is I think ultimately the the way to heal the scenario but there's ways in which that will never come together again but I'm not talking about that I'm not talking about the extremes I'm talking about little instances that happen that we never let go of and so of course then when you make a little instance a little mistake and the reaction is so strong then you pull way 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 back I actually, you know, I experienced this when I was a child. I could say something as a little joke or some way in which I didn't really understand that what I was saying could be an insult to my father when I was young. I remember one example was he was playing ping pong, a heated ping pong match with some friend of his, and he took competition really seriously. He mishits a forehand, forehand, mishits a forehand smash. The ball goes off the top corner of the paddle, off the edge of the paddle, rockets up into the sky, like mm-hmm. way over the top of the table, into the corner of the room. Mm-hmm. I'm like four and I go, home run. And I'm kind of bouncing around, just playing, watching my dad play. Didn't think anything else about it, right? I knew enough about baseball that if you hit one really far yeah. up into the corner, it's yeah. a home run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Later that night, you know, he starts yelling at me like how could you insult me like that Mm. in front of my friend and blah 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 this whole thing Mm. so that was like one of you know several moments that and and i had a you know typically great relationship with my father but this was something that was deeply it made a deep impression like one small transgression of a boundary which i had no idea about then became this massive thing and this huge thing and that that actually caused me to pull way back from from ever getting yeah. anywhere close to aliveness with my father. Yeah. I was always measured. Yeah. I was always, so we were re- relegated to very intellectual conversations and very measured conversations, which was in some ways has become a superpower of mine because I'm very careful with my communication and I'm very precise with my communication. So I don't even regret it. And certainly I forgive him yeah, as well. Yeah. But nonetheless, like the impact that that has of like a small transgression, having a big reaction, either none unforgiveness or that thing that gets brought up a million times. Well, Remember when you said this, remember when you said this, and this thing never gets remedied. It's going to cause everybody to pull back from the proximity where, as you said, the aliveness really is it's close it's close to the edge yeah you know where things are tender yeah and otherwise you just pull way the fuck back yeah can't joke about things anymore you can't really get in there yeah and play yes exactly it's denying play exactly exactly that's
1: that what you just first of all like when you as you were talking about that and you talked about like oh yeah that really affected your closeness with your father i think is what you said I just no, I noticed there was a completely different. You were making like your whole body changed a little bit when you were talking about that. Like this, um, I, I imagine there was like a like a I, I imagine there was some kind of sense of compression imagining yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I had a really volatile father. Same same thing with you. It's like he's extraordinary man. Both my parents are extraordinary men. Well, my mom, extraordinary woman, but they suffered from addictions, right? Really, really, it just had a huge impact on our lives. And my dad was was very volatile. At a snap of, snap of a finger, you could just be, like, publicly like assaulted, basically, right? Mm-hmm. He he was my coach, my little league coach, and mm-hmm. man, I had some those some moments where he would yell at me. On the mound, and I'd start crying in front of the. Oh, it was so humiliating, right? And I think, I think one of the things about as I've worked through a lot of that stuff, right? One of the things I've come to realize is that if you added up all those moments of being yelled at, right? All those moments of, traumatic situations, right? In terms of time, you probably get a certain amount of time that you're yelled at and those yeah. things happen. But really, it's not it's not those events themselves that I think was was affected me so deeply. It was the consequences of those events had me live in a way that I was always that that was possible that horizon yeah. of that any any moment right like you could just be slammed right that's what my my nervous system oriented and shaped around right i used to i used to remember i used to remember being able to tell what the what kind of mood my dad was in by the way he he pulled into the driveway Right, the, mm. like the way the, the way that the rocks, like the noise that they, I could just tell mm. what kind of mood he was in, because there was always this sense of having to be stand outside and hidden, and be in response to his moods, right? right? And yeah, those kinds of those, these things are, I think though that those kinds of possibilities that you're that you're shaped around. That's more where the trauma is,
0: and the right? absence of something like circling, yeah. where you get to go in there with them. We're all going to fuck up, you know. Yeah, we're all going to totally, you know, get mad sometimes. And but to have a technology like this, yeah. and after this, I think we should dive into it just to give people yeah. a flavor yeah. of it. But to have a technology like this, where imagining my father at the time, just like sitting down afterwards, and you know, after an apology, and then going in, and with uh, heart open and with the, with the skill, just seeing what I'm feeling and allowing me to express myself, you know, and really feeling seen and then feeling him be seen, you know, because I remember there were certain times where he would apologize, but what was a missing component is he wasn't really listening to me. Yeah. Also, he was apologizing and crying. I remember one particular time after a particularly bad, bad incident. He was apologizing and crying but it was almost like there was some part of me that knew he was doing that a little bit for him. Yeah. You know, for his own guilt and his own self-reproach and he, what, he hadn't taken the time to like really see me as well. So I was still like it's okay dad. You know, it's all right. Like and I appreciated it. It's not that I didn't appreciate it, but it didn't heal it. Yeah. It didn't heal it because I wasn't I wasn't fully seen. Yeah. In that moment I wasn't I seen felt, for my pain. It felt sad yeah yeah i
1: just felt sad for imagining that you it's a little boy like missing that moment yeah
0: yeah Mm. yeah sad for him too yeah absolutely we this is why this is one reason just one of many reasons why this thing that we've been talking about for an hour and a half so important yeah so let's give people a flavor and uh I've, we have about an hour left, okay. And so let's give people a flavor of this. I wouldn't mind getting into philosophical fellowship, yeah. and then also dialogos at Great. the end. So I'm just gauging that time. Let's try to give people a sample of these different sweet technologies. Sweet technologies. Sweet technologies. Sweet technologies. It's
1: just the way you and what you call your family, right? How it impacted me this weekend. I have to say that there's um, one is your invitation to come, right? is much much appreciated, but that you that you invited your family, like your wife and the people some of the closest people to you entrusted me was it really like it I I felt a deep sense of honor and it, and I noticed it called out my best. Mm. And I there's a way that you there was a way that you you were your openness in doing that. You communicated that that openness through your actions, but also just in your way of being and the way that you did that really had me feel super inspired mm. and honored. And then there were many moments like through the, through the weekend and like any side conversations and watching you do, doing some of the exercises. And then after the circle that we did, when I saw you open up to what we were doing in a deep way and allowed yourself to be really moved. And that experience for me, was so i felt so humbled and i and and the acknowledgement i want to and the thing i want to appreciate about you right is it's like this it's like like i can i can love somebody with all my heart right and i can write letters to them, i can i can throw it at him i can tell them, i can like stand on one leg and there's i can Share it with them and try to communicate it to them with every ounce of my being. But, but the one thing I cannot, I cannot give you is the experience of being loved by me, right? Mm-hmm. There's, that's one thing that I can't do. It's like you're free. And so there are moments where I watched what was happening go into you and i felt so grateful that you that you let me do that right mm-hmm. is that you like you related to the moment you related to me and that i i i want to let you know i know that that is that you did that right and when you did i felt loved it's like watching my love which is this is really what this all comes out of for this is just my way of loving right yeah and so watching you receive my love was i felt so humbled and deeply loved by you
0: that's the way it is with love right yeah like love is a two-way street yeah it's bilateral you can love someone but if they don't receive that love yeah you won't be able to feel the love that you feel yeah yeah You know, it's like, it has to be a mutually accepted plane of existence. And I have to say that I think probably going back to that story, you know, I had a very interesting dichotomy growing up. My mother loved me as unconditionally as a human being I've ever seen in my life. My father could turn that love off and on. So I both trust love and I don't trust love. So I'm teetering by conditioning, not by choice. I would yeah. prefer to trust love always. Yeah. But by conditioning, I'm teetering on the edge of, oh yeah, baby. Yeah. Love is who we are and it's where we're at and I feel it all. Yeah. And and be careful. Yeah. And be careful. Because it yeah. can get removed. And a lot of times when I really do let that love sink in it's this overwhelming, of course, it's love, nothing feels better. But there's also a little alarm that goes off in my head. Mm. Be careful, be careful, be careful, be careful. It could get turned off. Yeah. So that's a big part of my journey. And I've done some deep journeys, this six day immersion in darkness. And, yeah. you know, if anybody watches my documentary, "Awake in the Darkness, they'll be with me as I went through this in real time and recognized how much of the love from the world that I yeah. closed off because of that, a little alarm. Right. And so a big part of my, you know, process is to just yeah. unwind completely those knots that were tangled and just mm-hmm. open myself to love in all of its forms. Hmm and i feel myself doing that more and more yeah. so i'm glad you got to witness totally that experience of being loved not only by you but by the whole yeah by the whole circle yeah i it's funny it's interesting hearing that
1: what i'm hearing you say is like there's a be careful that sense. We're of,
0: circling right now, by the way, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> this is it, this is it. It was, a, it was a smooth entry by a guy here, but this is what we're doing. We're getting it, I can tell, I can smell it. I can smell it happening. So let's let's continue. I think I sense
1: that. I sense that, what you're what you're talking about that, just that carefulness, right? And I think that's one of the things why I felt moved, that when you did, when I did see you just open up to the value of the work and really take it in, it was an act of your freedom, but I could also, I think I could feel, I could feel that place where you possibly couldn't or wouldn't or, right, I could mm. I could feel just that the, the the outline of that. So in that sense, there was a way of of where I think that's where I felt so interesting. My feelings are, um, touched that you would trust me.
0: Mm. I can see in you the, notice in you the genuine truth Mm. and your love of that process. And I think that's what makes not only this practice, but you as the founder and, you know, in the, the leader of this of this circling exercise that was going through that's what made it mm. so impactful is you led by example mm. that you really you really wanted to get on the inside yeah you really wanted to to see our experience and I, and I see you right now just enjoying that, just savoring the flavor of that moment and this moment too
1: yeah that's another thing that I I want to just talk about too. Is there was also moments with you where I would um, I'd be working with the room and we'd be doing, and I would just look, I'd just look over you and you would just make eye contact with me. And I think I got a sense of your gaze, the gaze that you had over here. I think I got it, I felt everything that you just noticed about me. Mm. And Well, one, I just feel heard and seen in that. Um, But there's a subtlety in what you said about that. I really just want to get on the inside. You could feel that as a genuine thing in me. There's something I feel. I feel an extra, an extra. I I, I really get you in that seeing, Mm. right? Like that's really true. I feel seen. And I also get, well, I think I. I get you as a seer.
0: Right. Yeah. Feeling seen and acknowledged, not only in the past, but right now in the present, like letting that wash over me, then I feel seen. Mm -hmm. And when I feel seen, I feel trusted. Mm -hmm. And feeling trusted and creating this trust that's between us. Yeah allows me to open to love because all of the times that love was removed in my life it was because I wasn't seen hmm. maybe not all of the time sometimes love was removed and I did something that was hmm. I overstepped I said something I shouldn't have said and hmm. the temporary removal was was actually them seeing something that was warranted but most of the time and actually if you always look deep enough you look deep enough you would see that it was love yeah that i I, my love never wavered yeah yeah and so now already in the short time we've known each other there's a sense of trust established yeah where i feel like even if i did say something Hmm. you know comment in some way right like you would see beyond that and then our trust wouldn't be violated and so the love wouldn't be Removed, I wouldn't be, you wouldn't it me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally.
1: I also say that the, that the the other thing too is, we were just talking when we were taking a little break here about your crew sees, sees you really putting yourself out there, right, and how deeply willing you are to be known. And I feel there's a, there's a privilege that I feel like being let in, into your life a bit right now, right? Because there's also, there's a knowingness of the arrows that can get pointed in, in your direction, right? And so to, to voluntarily be an example, right? A proactive example of opening yourself up, yourself, but also everything that you're doing and everything that you're up to, right? That are really unusual for people. I, I just want to let you know, I see you doing that. And I, I imagine, I can just imagine what that takes sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. And the, I could imagine some mornings, right? Getting up and reading some of those comments or whatever, whatever the criticism that comes at you. Like there's a, there's a sense of, of, I think I see you voluntarily or I'm imagining you just really voluntarily turning towards the world and opening to it. Right. And even opening up to the arrows, opening up to all of it. And I think, I think that I just want to say is I, I just sense that I sense that you're at some new place in your life. Right. Mm. That um, I don't, I would imagine you don't even know exactly where it's going, but I can feel it. I can yeah. feel the possibility of, of what it's reaching into. And when I, in the moment when I was talking to your crew, they were just genuinely impressed by you and saw that in you of, of you allow your listeners to know you, right? even better than some of the people in in your life because this is what you're up to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I just I feel impacted just by being around that for a couple of days, mm. right? And um I'm I'm partners there with you. And I also you know, there's a sense in which I can I can also s- uh, sense your your radical unreasonable interest in this stuff and that is enlivening for me big time Mm. like i just kind of got that sense of like you when we did dia logos i just got that sense you would have just stayed there all night right and gone deep into that and i whatever i don't meet many people that have the kind of appetite that i have for an endless interest and attention in these deep waters i can i can just do that forever right <laughs> and i sense something like that in you it has you as you feel like a brother to me
0: yeah when you're saying that to me i can sense not only are you seeing me but i i can s- imagine your own journey mm. I can imagine you being in places that are similar to the places that I've been in, yeah, places where you've opened yourself up to vulnerability, places where you've been willing to take on criticisms mm-hmm. and where you've come through and continued to make the choice to open, and I'm just imagining. Mm that part of your life that i haven't gotten privy to because Mm. you've come in some way as an already baked cake in many in many Mm. ways now you're giving us windows into all the ingredients but Mm. i wasn't there i Mm. wasn't there for all of that process Mm. but as you speak i can imagine the baking of that cake yeah and the way in which sometimes it was burned and sometimes it was doughy and sometimes it was you know just broke apart in the heat of the oven yeah yeah in all of those moments, I feel the the subtle and imagine the subtle subtext of yeah. of your own journey oh, and recognize totally.
1: that it's it's funny as you say that I'm just flashing on <laughs> all the moments of everything from you know when i when I got a divorce from my first wife and basically just lost everything right like had a really hard time. Mm. I really, really went through a a pretty dark night. Like and the time I I kinda knew something was happening inside of me that just needed to happen. But it went down pretty, pretty far. And in you're you're witnessing here me I think is is it Nancy Armstrong? She's a, She talks about stages of a man's life of like you go through, like you become a prince and then there's a late prince and then you go through a period of being disillusioned. She calls the tunnel. Mm. And then if you, if you make it through the tunnel, you come into kingship and kingship has a quality of effortlessness and easefulness, mm-hmm. right? My tunnel, I barely made it through my tunnel. (laughs) Right. But the other side of it that you're kind of that you just talked about, like the cakes that I've baked, I feel like I'm in that part of my life of where things are just opening. They're just working out. Like I feel so less attached to the outcome of how things go. And you're right. You're right. There's you know, going through a divorce while While being, you know, while being someone who started, helped start a whole movement about relationship, I felt so much humiliation and shame about that, right? Yeah. Like um, a, a part of me just went into a kind of hiding that I think I needed to do, right? However, coming out of the other side of that, there was a sense. It's funny, it's like there is a sense in which something happened there for me where i sh- it's like I shook off this, this, this part of me that was on some level always trying to make sure I was seen in a particular way. Right. It was. It was always this thing that it was always felt like it was like a dog in heat. (laughs) It's like Mm a constantly hopping on my leg, and it puts so much pressure on me. And there was something about going through that, like that death process, that where I'm, I'm actually like, I don't like, who gives a shit what Mm -hmm. people think about me, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I'm a lot more interested in what I think about them, (laughs) right? Mm. And how I see the, like, in what I have to give, but whether I get recognized for it, all those kinds of things that were so um, shamefully important to me at one point, stripped away. Yeah. Yeah.
0: As you were talking, I noticed when you were talking about through the tunnel, on the way to the other side, it was almost like you looked over to the right and your eyes and you were talking about that time in your life and the person that you were then Mm -hmm. and i could see you looking at yourself looking at guy of 10 15 whatever 20 years ago Mm -hmm. however long that was and i could see you looking at him and it wasn't a look it was a look of remembering of course our eyes Mm -hmm. do things when we remember Mm -hmm. but it was particular you were looking over to your right and i it just had me imagine (laughs) that while you also see, and I also saw you look over to the left when you made a gesture of your hand that was like a beating heart, mm. like that you also see this beating heart, the beating heart of who you know yourself to be. Mm. You see that as a through line yeah. of who you are. Yeah. But in the looking over to the right, it was interesting to me because it felt like there could possibly, and this could just be my imagination, mm. could still be some separation huh that you've created from that guy with the beating heart that's yeah. right here before me now. Yeah. And that was still there then, but a little bit of separation yeah. from that guy yeah. and the actions of that guy, potentially, this is all what I'm imagining yeah. and the place that, that he was. That's interesting.
1: Mm. I appreciate that, you saying that. Yeah, there's. Huh, that was scary. Mm. I think what I think what I, I I would imagine what that what you're seeing acknowledges, um. It acknowledges how sca- like how scary that was for me. Yeah. Right. And a real ge- I'm glad I'm scared of that. Mm. Right. I'm glad. I'm really glad I'm scared of that is it someone who said that wisdom you know wisdom is is being terrified of the right thing mm-hmm. and i think that that sense of terror for me is kind of seeing that like that there's something in me that could really take it down mm-hmm. right even when i don't want to it could take it down that mm-hmm. i got that in me um, has me feel a sense of respect for it
0: yeah, right yeah yeah i'm curious this makes me curious as i imagine now you looking at that it's almost like there's a part of you that wants mm. to hold that separate as an example that you can reference and you can look at yeah. in order to be this kind of guidance and there's this mm. holding that outside of yourself as a reference point. And I'm curious, I'm curious Mm -hmm. if there's a place where you trust completely Mm. that you've internalized Mm. all of those lessons. Mm. And perhaps this is my proclivity towards internal family systems. (laughs) (laughs) I I could use all the family (laughs) systems work I can get. (laughs) But perhaps, perhaps I'm, I'm curious as to whether there's a point where you really trust that enough Mm. That you can take that guy that you're mm. keeping as a guidepost mm. and, and invite him fully back home, knowing yeah. that the lessons are completely integrated and there's nothing yeah. to no longer fear.
1: Well, first of all, I'm just really appreciating you going <laughs> here with me. I'm surprised, but I'm like, I feel like my pores are open, welcoming it, yeah. relieved. You know it's funny as, as you say, you know as you say that like there's yeah, there is because I I have a six month old child, like I have my wife. so there's the, the, there's the, the stakes are high. I don't want to ever go in that direction again so I could feel like like the sense of a rejection there. But I there's also though, I mean, I think the thing I appreciate about him, right, is in some sense, he he expressed, he expressed an extreme in me.
0: He the guy, that, yeah. he the guy of yeah, the, the guy, past. Yeah, the guy that went all the way
1: down, right? Yeah. Like he expressed an extreme in me that is actually, although it went in a kind of some some destructive ways for me, right? It's that extreme still lives in me, mm. right? But it it's living in a it's living in a in a um, it, it, it's it's going extremes into in directions I want to go into, mm. right? And that that extremeness, like. The one that could just sit there all night and just do this with you all for three days straight, right? And just do this all day, right? That extreme, he was there too, right? Yeah, he was there too.
0: What I'm hearing and feeling is uh, is also a deep appreciation, yeah, for that version of yourself. Yeah. A deep appreciation that you've bent some of his natural instincts and proclivities, yeah. but alchemized them and used that as fuel yeah to be the person that you are now and, yeah. and i also want to reflect that as you talk about yourself mm. the me your eyes go to the left again mm. you know and it's like this mm. is this is the you that you know yeah and and there's the other one and i just want to you know notice that the threads of appreciation and respect and love that's still there mildly exiled yeah as as the other guy yeah. might be, yeah. there's still a lot of like a lot of love, mm. and also, so the relationship is is still a loving relationship yeah. to that to that exile. Yeah, and I would just like to offer,
2: mm.
0: as someone that's now mm. that knows you, mm. that if you were my father, I would trust all of you. Mm. I would trust all of you. Mm. Every bar, every bit. And your son will too. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: I. I've hearing that. I feel like. It just went all the way in.
3: Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm. <laughs> nice to meet you, brother. It's great to meet you too, brother. Yeah. All right. So let's zoom out Mm -hmm. and zoom out of this. Mm -hmm. And that was an an interesting moment where we reached a natural aporia. And we'll talk about that, this moment where we just let things seep in. yeah, Let let things seep in. But let's talk about from the meta level, Mm because we just kind of dove into the the circling practice and give people a little taste of like all right well what did we just do there yeah how did that how did we arrive at that how did we arrive at that moment right you know what what were the what were the steps that we were taking because obviously we've been practicing this now for a couple days yeah yeah so just give people the meta overview of what just happened totally so there's kind of you could say that there's
1: you know we have our own worlds right like one of the things that we talk about in circling is is this, this idea of getting your world or being deeply seen or be deeply known in a deep way. And one of the ways that we express this world, right? Because our worlds aren't something that are like an object in front of us that we always know about. <laughs> There's like the place we come from, right? And all the layers of that. And so one of the, one of the ways that that, that background, right or that context that world expresses itself is in these little gestures right these little ways that we move <laughs> we move our our hands or our eyes and so one of the things you did is you just i think you kind of one is you just had a sense that there's worlds yeah right that i don't even understand right that are in some sense constituting of me and how I see things and how I feel right so you caught a moment right of the way that I was I think I was moving my hands while I was talking about something and the way that I looked and then you didn't just point at it and say what you thought or give me an opinion or an instruction you one shared the impact Right. Mm -hmm. Of what it was like for you hearing that. And then you talked about what you imagined. Yeah. Right. So there was a couple of things that you noticed something. Right. You noticed, and you said what you imagined about it. Right. Mm -hmm. In terms of something that I wasn't even at Hmm. all thinking about. Right. And in that moment, you just brought a, a whole world, my whole world in front of me. Mm-hmm. right and then we could have a con- then we had a conversation about it and then you're like yeah i wonder i wonder if you're totally with that guy or not yeah right and then we can have this conversation about that cuz it's funny because this for example my relationship to that history and that part of myself right it's something that I never leave home without. Yeah. Right. So on some level, even when I'm not even thinking about, like my my history, in some way, it's an or it orients me, and has everything in the foreground show up in the way that it does by virtue of that orientation. And so you just kind of saw that background, right, and then shared the impact on you so there was like a sense of relation relationship with it brought it brought it forward and then we related about it yeah right and there was an it's like it just becoming that just becoming the background to the foreground made it possible right that became possible
3: yeah
0: yeah i think some key things if people want to start to dabble and dive in and of course i recommend that they you know take the courses and learn from you yeah. and learn, you know, get the reps in in a proper way, but just some, a few things to think about. One important is notice first, just be purely in that, in that witness mind, of just noticing without judging and without, you know, preventing yourself from all of the projections as best you can. And then feeling like that's the substrate of connection. Yeah. Like what are we feeling yeah. here? What's being communicated through the yeah. felt sense of things. Yes, And then, then from there, when you think you might see something, recognize that it's always just an imagination. Yeah. That you don't know. And by saying it and even phrasing it as an imagination, instead of I saw you and therefore, you know, which is telling somebody, mm-hmm. you say I imagine. Yeah. Which then gives the invitation yeah. for the person to imagine with you. Yeah. Without any confrontation, without any judgment, yeah. without any of the implications of yeah. that. And it's just this living invitation yeah. to explore that right. without any any need for defensiveness. Right. There's no there's no point at which like right. the pores go up like, oh my gosh, am I gonna be exposed? Right. Because I'm owning that it's just an imagination. Yes. It's my imagination. Yes. You can even go further and say, like, I imagine and I desire. Yeah. And recognizing that there is some vested interest that I may have, we didn't get to that in this yeah. one, but yeah. I, I notice, I feel, I imagine, and I desire. Yeah, yes, you know, and like all of those things, you put those on the table. Yeah, it's like okay, now yeah. all of a sudden, all there is is just mutual invitations. Yes, totally back and forth. And that the one of the things is so it's it
1: opens up a whole new world in relationship. Is because we usually don't make the distinction between what i notice and what i imagine mm-hmm. right most arguments right are about that like <laughs> you did that to me da, 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 right <laughs> but if you really slow it down and you just say oh when you moved your face to the left i imagined you didn't like me or something like that and right. i felt i felt afraid and i i want to feel closer to you right what If you just notice, what I just did is I didn't say anything really about you. I revealed myself with you. I noticed something, right? And I revealed, I disclosed what the meaning I made about it, right? What I was imagining, I disclosed what I felt, and I disclosed what I wanted. And that was, in and, and, and that sense, it's up to you to go, was that, was I, am I hating you? Am I not? Right. <laughs> like, right. But there's a, there's a way where that, that is, you could say, is this, this, like the way to open if you want to open with somebody. Like those, those, those distinctions, saying those things are the means of self disclosure.
3: right? Right. Right.
1: And underneath it all, and here's the key point. Here's the key. Here's the here's the real key key, key practices. You are coming from in that, and in with an intention to relate, right? And that's the key because you could, if you have an intention to control, right? Which is where we come from a lot. Which is I, I I'm saying what I'm saying in order to make sure something happens. Like and oftentimes it's like I'm saying what I'm saying to make sure that you think a certain way about me or that you accept me or I'm managing something, right? right. Where when we share from the intention to relate, it's really one in which I, I, I open up the truth of my own experience with you, right? And then I find out what happens next, right? And I could feel that intention to relate such that everything that you said, there was like an open invitation for me to take it or not, right? right? But I could feel my mirror neurons could pick it up, right? And <laughs> yeah. there's a safety there.
0: Yeah, it's, it's not just the language. It's because you're tapping into so much more than that. You're yeah. tapping to the entire holistic expression of somebody. Yeah. Because people can use, I've always said this, people can use nonviolent communication yeah. absolutely violently. Yeah. Which is missing the whole yeah. fucking point. Yeah. Like nonviolence. communication comes from a felt sense of things you can say all of the right words you know use projection a hundred times use you know all of the terminology or whatever right but the feeling is violence yep and if you can't get to talking about the feeling and also one of the other things you had as practice is what i'm sensing that's unsaid Mm-hmm. You know what's what I'm sensing that's unsaid, or what I'm imagining, even mm-hmm. potentially better. What I'm imagining yeah. that's unsaid, recognizing that this still could be you. Yep. Imagining, but what yep. I'm imagining that's unsaid is mm-hmm. this, which is then an invitation, just yeah. another another invitation. Yeah. You know, and that way, this is the essence of nonviolent communication. It's yeah. not about the words. Yeah. Words are f- almost inconsequential, yeah. although important. Certain ways yeah. that you phrase things are important, but the energy yeah. combined with the words really is what makes it valuable yeah. yeah it's your
1: intention that ultimately um has the has the meaning show up yeah yeah and th- now just that cultivating the intention to relate and on some level that's all we've been talking about right this whole time is like cultivating like and seeing how important it is to have the intention to really really want to relate with other people right or really open up with you and if we come from there, we could say all the, we could probably say everything wrong, and it'll still turn out all right, right? But if there's like a background intention of trying to control or manipulate, either consciously or unconsciously, we can we can follow the letter of the law, and it what'll come through at the end, most of the time, is the intent, right? So that's that that quality of openness that really was underneath everything that you just did that made that moment possible. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Beautiful. Yeah. Let's move into philosophical fellowship. Yeah. And we may need to hyphenate some of the repetitive rounds Mm -hmm. just for the podcast format, Mm -hmm. but we can kind of point to those. So the way that we did this, and I'm sure there's other ways that it can be done, was to take a passage. Yep. And uh, I'm just going to use the same passage, and I know we'll iterate Mm -hmm. differently because we're a different Mm -hmm. circle than we did. And so somebody, you agree, first of all, circling, getting Mm -hmm. in the circling practice, which we just did, is kind of a good way to start, making sure that you're seeing each other and have the intention to relate. But the idea of both philosophical fellowship and Dialogos is for some emergent truth to come out mm-hmm. some way in which our relating yes creates tends a fire each of us putting a log on a fire yeah. of understanding yeah. and watching that thing blaze and seeing sometimes if it just catches yeah and we catch some thread yeah so i remember how to start it you'll have to kind of guide me through mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know some of the different some of the different steps especially the three different things oh it's yeah. invoke evoke Invo- invoked, oh, evoked, and provoked. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I think we can. I think we can make it yeah. through this. All right. Okay. So th- the passage. Passage is, <clears throat> from Hafiz. Mm-hmm. Hafiz was a Sufi poet, mm. and the Sufi poets, the mystics, they understood the flavor of God. Mm. They could taste God in the wine. Mm. They could taste God in the water that was scarce. Mm -hmm. They could feel God whipping at the edges of their silk Mm -hmm. as they danced. Mm -hmm. They could feel God moving and animating their body. They were in touch. They were in contact. In a place where God was all judgment and all harsh, like the environment they were in, all sand and heat Mm -hmm. and judgment. For the Sufis, they found the sweetness. They found that the insides were always lined with love and so he was part of that tradition yeah part of the Rumi tradition yeah and he wrote even after all this time the sun never says to the earth you owe me look what happens with a love like that it lights the whole sky Hmm. even after all this time the sun never says to the earth you owe me look what happens with a love like that it lights the whole sky so from here i select a portion of this yeah that we can we'll repeat just once back and forth mm-hmm. even after all this time the sun never says to the earth you owe me Even after all this time,
1: the sun never says to the earth, you owe me.
0: What I can sense being invoked by Hafiz is a sense of the infinity of gratitude, the ever presence of gratitude that requires no response. What is evoked in me is a recapitulation of the times I've created a transactional ledger between those that I love and myself. And the question that is provoked in me is how do I be more like the sun? You read it one more time. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Even after all this time, the sun never says to the earth, "You owe me." Hmm. Finish of the poem. Look what happens with a love like that. It lights the whole sky. Yeah. Even after all this time,
1: the earth. The sun never sun sun never says to the earth, "You owe me." What it invokes in, in me is, is a a radical openness of time, all this time, like a hmm. it evokes a a generous a generosity of temporality, a temporal generos- generosity, and a sense of a vertical sense of eternity that's not horizontally give and take, but an unconditionality. It's invoked in what it evokes, what it evokes. It evokes a voluptuous, proactive, vulnerable, giving and beholding the given to as had.
0: And what was the last one again? What was the last one dead? That... What questions or ideas does yeah. it provoke? Yeah.
1: The qu- the question the question it provokes is this. Is this um this This giving, is there a giving or a generosity, right? Is there a generosity in which in the giving it reveals what is already had?
0: We'll go one more round of this. What is being invoked is a recognition that we are both sun and earth. Mm -hmm. We are both the sun and the earth. Mm -hmm. We can give generously, receive graciously what is evoked is an understanding that or an idea and imagining that when we point up for God, that we've identified God as sun, that which illuminates, that which lights, but perhaps forgotten that we are also earth and God is also earth. Hmm. So what is provoked is an understanding that receiving graciously and a question of whether receiving graciously is just as important in divinity as giving generously.
1: <laughs> what is what is invoked is this verticality of time where 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 the sun and the earth are are given as already belonging together and what is what is evoked is a sense of living through linear time as an <laughs> unfoldment of what is already there as a a possibility that's always present that i don't take actions in order to get something I take actions as an unfolding of something that was already always
0: present. So let's move into let's move into the dialogos format here. Yeah. We've moved from this yeah. kickstart of philosophical fellowship, and often with dialogos you can use a virtue, but yeah. we're in the realm of virtuosity. We're mixing here. a few things we're together. Mix it. We're blending a few, blending really a few things it. together your innovation here. This so I'm going to, uh, dialogos starts with a proposition. Mm. And so I'm going to try and turn a bit of our conversation into a proposition. Mm-hmm. Mm. I propose that the openness and receptivity to receiving is part without the desire, without the sense of owing anything in return, but just full, open, gracious receptivity Mm. is what calls forward the divine generosity of the one that gives. Mm. And so if you want to create generosity, therefore, the op- your own openness to receiving and receiving all of it is what calls that forward.
1: Mm. Let's see if I got that. So the generosity, real generosity, you're saying, is is called forth out of your openness to receive. Yeah. 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 And so this openness to receive. What was the last thing you said? Calls forth.
0: It was. It was very much that. It was that. Generous, like gracious receptivity, mm-hmm. calls forward generosity. Yeah. And gracious
1: receptivity calls forth generosity. Calls forth generosity.
0: Yes. yes. And so. By that reasoning. Yeah. If we want more generosity in the world, yeah, the pl- necessary place to start is with gracious yes. receptivity. Yeah.
1: So if you want more generosity in the world, the most, the best place to start is with gracious receptivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That gracious receptivity, is that sequentially, right? Is that horizontally? Is it receptive? Do you mean receptive first, then mm-hmm. generosity? Mm. Or is it you actually receive something first right. and demonstrate your, your, right. gen, your, your receptivity that calls forth generosity?
0: What I'm proposing in that clarification question, what I would propose then is that actually to answer that, gracious receptivity is a virtue. Mm. Is an is an important virtue that when present, when present before the actual generosity occurs. So it's a priori to mm. the generosity. Mm. So it's a it's a virtue that can be sensed. Yeah. And when that virtue is present, yeah. It calls forward the generosity, and then is reified huh. by the generosity right. and proven. But but the virtue exists first. Yes. And what's the virtue? Gracious receptivity. Gracious
1: receptivity, right? Mm-hmm. And take me through that again. Gracious. Re- Gracious receptivity, receptivity exists, exists.
0: Exists. Exists within you as a virtue. As a virtue. And then it calls forward. And it calls forward. Generosity. Generosity. And yeah. then when the generosity is called forward, your gracious receptivity creates this, this loop yeah. that reifies the generosity. Yes. And you create an ascending cycle right. of giving and receiving. Right. But the first key place is actually a virtue of gracious receptivity. Yeah. That's where it starts, yeah. that's the
1: proposition. Yeah, okay, so where it starts is a virtue in you of gracious receptivity. And that's what calls forward the generosity, right? From, from the world?
0: Yes, mm-hmm. from the world. I think you can participate in the world, but yeah.
1: yes. Yeah, so in this example, from the world. And then a then a, a a reciprocal opening relationship gets started yeah. between gracious receptivity and generosity starts to feed and build on each other as they they go up. Yeah. Yes, that's yes. it. Yes, yes. Hmm. So I uh, so taking that in. What I appreciate about that is this way in which the way you distinguish that was you you well, it was distinct, but you distinguish them as implicitly together mm-hmm. right of receptivity and generosity, right? And so I appreciated the way that you made that distinct and and whole and you left open the possibility of for it to to form right and to to, to build on itself right I really liked that because I can get this sense of of it building on itself and then folding back on its own process right and and complexifying it complexifying it in such a degree that I can imagine someone's face being formed and articulated, their generosity, their generous eyes, right? That see deeply are also deeply receptive eyes, mm. right? In this complexification that can fractal back mm-hmm. in, a, in this, auto-poetic, this autopoetic self-organizing sense of this virtue that you said is where it really begins which which is gracious receptivity mm. yeah that's what i appreciate about that what what's mysterious to me right is is this is is in this gracious receptivity being a virtue like even with my hand right and you use your hand like this what's mysterious to me is what's the hand doing
3: hmm.
1: right is it is the hand an already giving
3: hmm.
1: right hmm. cuz i could feel i could it seems like it goes both ways right hmm. like what calls forth the hand, right? And it has this quality of its opening is already a giving to whatever it
0: is that is. And the gesture for those listening is it's an open palm. It's a hand moving into an open palm. Yeah, yeah. (sighs) I think that's a keen insight because my gesture that gesture of opening your palm is both a gesture of receiving and holding yes. the gift yes holding the gift and and it's the same gesture that you would use to give yeah. the gift ah. so i'm playing with revising my initial proposition mm-hmm. to say that actually Gracious receiving and generous giving Mm -hmm. are the same virtue. Yes. They are the same virtue because to give generously, you must receive the gift of the gracious receiving. Yes. And it's actually the same thing looked at from different angles. Yes. Yes. But they occur simultaneously. Right. So there's, you're revising the proposition.
1: So we're coming full circle. Yeah. Right? Where gracious receptivity and generous giving are the same virtue. Yeah. Yeah. They're the same. They're two distinct things, but as a virtue, they're the same. Yeah. Right. Well, one is I'm, I'm, appreciating in some sense the generosity of the dialogue is somehow present hmm. right so the virtue itself of a gracious giving right is a function of of gracious or gracious receiving and generous giving like the the that the that the virtue of them being together As a virtue, feels like it's present in our attention, in the way, in the way it's unfolding. Yeah. Right. So I sense right now, like one is I feel like I'm definitely receiving, and it looks like you're receiving, but then there's a there's a I feel myself given over, and you given over, and that there's some way that they're they keep finding each other. But one seems to be already present for the other one to be present, mm-hmm. thus it's revealing like it's given itself, right, as they're already together, which is generous. So it's not just virtue, it's not just the the reception the receptivity, it's not just the generosity, but it generously arrives as one virtue, mm.
0: which seems generous of that virtue. <laughs> 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 yes indeed right yes indeed yeah now we're gonna cut this we're gonna cut this off as we gave people a little flavor and yeah. i want to just freely talk about it and yeah. in the container of dialogos, we would continue to go back and forth yeah. revising propositions you would offer another one we'd continue yes. this until we distilled this wine into an even finer finer yes. wine maybe even a grappa right that got us drunk on god right at right. the end yeah. right uh but what's really interesting is this actually has has this fire that we tended quickly and in yeah. and, and, and because of the format in yeah. a slightly more hurried way than yeah. we normally would is incredibly valuable because it's something I've always sensed yeah. and always felt. Yeah. That people make and I didn't realize this at the start, right? Because yeah. I was saying one has to come before the other and then we revised it. But I've always felt that the giving is the receiving. And when you separate those you're thinking about it in the wrong way. Yeah. You're not actually generously giving, nor are you receiving. Because when I give, when I really give, I'm so full. Yes. And people always, people, especially in the self-help kind of community, spiritual community, like, I want you to receive at the level that you give. I was like, no, you don't get it. Yeah. I am receiving at the level that I give always. Hmm. So you don't need to create some kind of little circus drama you know like I see these at parties and things and it's all beautiful comes from a beautiful place you sit in this chair and we'll all give you all of this because of all you've given us like I recoil from that and I would never want to be in that chair because like you don't get it yeah you don't get it I'm receiving every fucking time I give yeah so for my birthday I'm going to give away so many gifts yeah for my birthday yeah why because that's my gift right that's my gift and like If you get that, you get me. Yeah. Like you get me when you realize that me giving to you is my gift. Yes.
1: And it's, you know, it's really interesting. I just, I just recalled what I started when I, when we came back from break, what I started off saying is basically that is you gave to me by me giving to you yeah that's exactly what i was acknowledging (laughs) yeah
0: yeah yeah (laughs) right interesting how that went yeah when you receive
1: when you receive the value or you receive my love i feel deeply loved yeah right like in the best and the most intense way that's exactly the thing that you were talking about i'm just feeling the through lines pick up yeah right and that's the thing about dia logos logos right if we say, if we go back to the Greeks, logos um, has this quality of the gathering intelligibility, right? That everything that's anything is what it is by virtue as, as it's gathered in all of its aspects and shown, showing its gathering, mm. right? Everything is kind of gathered together and shown in, in his gathering. That's the Greek sense of logos. So diologos, through right to look through logos right is a conversation where it's a it's an ancient conversation where we highlight the sense of 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 in some sense looking through the logos and following that through line that starts to open up between it explicitly right yeah and so this is the process of you could say. In some way, you you give, a, you give a proposition, right? You propose something, right? Now, the, the important thing to, to, th- to think about this is really, and, and John does a great job of talking about this, where the ancient epistemology, the ancient understanding of knowledge, right? They took as self-evident that the world was just was intelligible, right? And therefore, Coming to know the world or coming to know reality was a process of fitting, fitting with the world, right? Co forming the world. And therefore, as you go back in time, philosophy wasn't this dry academic thing of people just writing out propositions
0: remembering the propositions and the knowledge that somebody else earnestly arrived at yes so implicitly their ontological structure of how they knew it was sound yes so when they said it not only did it make sense but they they understood why it made sense yes and they went down all the blind alleys and all of the side roads so that they arrived at this thing and it was theirs and they earned it yes and it's like that earned wisdom right that comes from the love filler, right of wisdom itself to earn it to give it the the respect yeah to dive in and say no i I don't want to just take this from someone else i don't want to just read a nietzsche quote or read a joseph campbell or whoever your favorite philosopher is i want to earn it yeah i want to go find it and then see if i can arrive back at that same place in my own with my own way like building a geometrical proof yourself like when you do that you're like yep, I understand that this yes. right angle is then bisected right. by this. I fucking get it. I, I built it, you know? Right. It's knowing through being transformed in the process
1: of coming to know that thing. Yeah. So your knowledge is indistinguishable from your being fitted or transformed by it, right? That deep sense of contactfulness. And so dialogos is, is a t- I think John first used that term um, in the way they were talking about it. And it's been a communal project of, of it emerging through these deep dialogues that we had. And so we've created a, um, are in the process of refining a process. Mm-hmm. Right? So you, So what you guys just saw was a little piece of that process of where you made a proposal, right? And my job was not to agree with it or disagree with it or relate to it. No, it was to get it, is yeah. to understand it and then amplify it right so if you notice like i would get it and then i'd I'd come back and i say what i'm appreciating about it and then i would kind of amplify it and induce more of it out of you and then you went from then it's the intelligibility started to shift so you went from oh it's not just it's not just receptivity right it's receptivity and generosity as one that shift you could say is a little moment where the the logos gathered differently and we followed it yeah. and we sensed it yeah. right and this it's it's so interesting because in this mo at some moment i don't i i i lost track of
0: even noticing whose thought we were articulating <laughs> right, right right yeah cuz the desire for ownership we know that there's a fire and yeah. just like a fire is mesmerizing yeah. when we sit by an actual fire yeah I mean, that's why campfires have been such a powerful tool. You just yeah. sit and you're mesmerized by the fire. Also technology mimicking the artificial yeah. fire is also mesmerizing, but yeah. in a different way, it's like a pseudo fire. yeah. But in this case, we're both just tending the fire. Yeah. And you know, while in some regards, you can say, wow, look what I came up with. What was actually there was a mutuality of coming up with this. Mm-hmm. you asking first the kind of interesting question that helped illuminate more, another log, okay what was the what comes first is mm. it the is it the gracious gracious yeah. receiving or the generous giving and then yeah. i was like ah oh, well it's the gracious receiving that yeah. comes first it calls yeah. it and then you actually by pointing out my hand gesture you you questioned perhaps my subconscious intelligence yes knew something that i was trying to communicate yeah but i wasn't even aware of it and right. that's where like in capital i intelligence lies it lies right. in this Unknown awareness that yeah. we all have access to, yeah. and all of a sudden it was like, "Oh yeah, there yeah. it is." That yeah. that question, that's the same motion for giving as it is for receiving. Right, giving, receiving, it's actually collapsed in yes. the same thing yes. from different perspectives. Right, exactly.
1: And then, then what would happen is 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 that when that was complete, you were complete. Then what I would do is I would, I would then make a proposal that would be riffing off of that one, right? Yeah. And then you would then listen the to same. me in the same way and deduce it out. And then we'd go back and forth and back and forth. And you could just imagine, <laughs> right? Over time where you end up. And I think there's something, he's thinking about this, that I think one of the things that this does, and people will appreciate this after like, if you have a, a, like a really amazing conversation with somebody about something, Oftentimes, you're, you look at you look at that thing that you were talking about differently from then on. Mm-hmm. You perceive it differently. Yep. Right. This there's a very very deep weddedness between seeing, between perception and thought. Right. It's we we it's meaning that we see. We have eyes that see meaning. We don't see things exactly. We see what they mean. Therefore, when you get into conversations that open the domain of, of, of meaning itself, right, you in some sense walk away and your perceptions, your ability to perceive is refreshed. Mm. Right. Old ideas that were kind of dead and just hanging on get slumped off and like the logos moves over here and you, you throw some words at it, and then I throw some words at it, and it's and, and then you realize it's so much more. Therefore, you seeing, giving, and receiving is going to be, you're going to perceive it so much more richly, right? Yeah. I think that's one of the key, that's one of the parts of it that,
0: why it feels so ecstatic. Yeah. Right? No, this is absolutely a form of ecstasis. Yeah. The interesting thing about psychedelic journeys is sometimes you'll get the thought process that leads you to the felt yeah. sense of things, but oftentimes... You just arrive at the felt sense of things, which is a much more powerful form of knowledge. Yeah. Because you feel it. Yeah. You feel the knowledge. But then trying to explain it is impossible because you've just kind of mm. you've just kind of taken the taken this shortcut through the bridge of the plant, through yeah. the bridge of the intelligence of the plant, if yeah. you will. Yeah. And then the bridge of the intelligence of the plant and you and your subconscious arrives you at a place where you know God or know right. something. Right. But you can't explain it because right. you took a you took a path that does not have words. Yes. And so that's been a big part of my journey. And so I'll often arrive at a place and then backfill an understanding of that. And yeah. that helps me with my ontology. Yes. But there's still many things that I know that I don't understand how I know them. But the beauty of this is now, instead of instead of an insight that comes in in plant medicine where I have a vision or I feel something, yes, giving and receiving is the same. We've built it. Yes. We've built it together. I've gone yes. down a blind alley, I've corrected yes. my way and I can talk about why right. that's the case, which is also helps the mind in transmission yeah. help to explain and understand. Right. You know, like why are giving and receiving actually the same virtue? And, Yes, And so now, now now, when I go to a, a buddy's house and they're trying to do this big fucking giving, bukkake ejaculation of giving <laughs> onto this person, I'm like, no, you don't get it. He's been receiving the whole time. We don't need to do yes. this. We can yes. just have fun.
1: Yeah, totally, you know? totally, yes. And there's the other, there's the meta part of it too, which is you learn so much doing this, right? You learn about the thing that we're talking about. But I think that you also learn how to learn, right? Which is which is a is a distinct thing. Where and there's something about this conversation, and I've noticed this with circling, that because it's so participatory, and just like you were talking about, you know, you go through the ride, right? And in some sense, you conform your nervous system in that ride. Like your whole body is getting trained, and you're noticing patterns and. And so so in the process of realizing this particular thing or content or idea you've also realized how to do that yeah right right and that repetition of these kinds of exercises afford when you look at a business plan right your ability to grok that business plan and ideas and ability to see is you know can be enhanced on it when you look like you were talking about it at the um You know, at your at your friend's party, mostly with perception, the way that you can see something because you can only respond to stuff that you can see, right? Mm -hmm. Like if it's undistinct to you, you can't relate to it, right? So, like the more the more distinctions that you're able to 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 have, and your ability, and getting those distinctions increase your ability to get more distinctions and know how to make distinctions the more eyes you have to see the world with.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and it's also like, I'm just thinking back to that party and, uh, and I got a break because we gotta carry on with many beautiful things yes. in my beautiful yeah. life. But I think what I could also sense is that everybody was so eager to share this gift of, yeah. of gratitude and expression of, yeah. of what that person has meant to them. Yeah. But you could tell, That that was a gift to them, yeah, too. Yeah, it was. It was like everybody wants to give that gift, yeah, for their for themselves. Yes, also as well as them. Yes, right. And so you could see how yes, it is in some ways. And I don't want to say that this is a terrible idea in all circumstances. It can be beautiful, but just recognizing that the person speaking is not just giving; they're also receiving. Yeah, receiving in a very powerful way, and also. Receiving everybody watching them give the gift, and so it's it's working on a lot of different levels that I think is. I was unconsciously attuned to the subtext of what was happening, yeah, and so was an unconsciously averse because it wasn't explicit, and I was like, we don't y'all don't really see what's going on here. I didn't really understand it either. I was like, not for me, yeah. But now I kind of understand it, and it's still beautiful. It's still a beautiful gesture from a beautiful place, right? But nonetheless, like I see how. My own understanding now justifies kind of this yes. this feeling that I was feeling, and, right. and ex- at least explains it and justifies right. probably a bad right. Way. But really, fu- really fucking cool. This really cool. Yeah. yeah, really, really cool. Yes, yes, yes to all of this. Yes. Thank you so much. Totally.
1: God. So this is what we do at the Circling Institute. Yep. Right is uh we have oh we have uh, everything's online right now because of COVID, um, but we have. Open events every week. Anybody can come to them. Circling. We have weekend circling events. We have three levels of trainings to to be to become learn how to facilitate it. And then we've been doing. We just started doing the Dialogos courses, right? Which are are two days taught with John Vervaeke and Chris and myself. Um, all of this online. Please come check it out. I also do one one on one coaching. I'll I'll give you my email and. Mm -hmm. and and the links and all that stuff will be in the show notes i'm sure yeah
0: yeah and i i highly recommend it and also your partner karenna Karenna. in the circling institute Mm -hmm. she's a she's a wizard yeah and it was just beautiful to have her presence as well so i want to presence her here in this acknowledgement so thank you so much for your work brother and and thank Mm -hmm. you for listening to that whisper that guided you to this point right now oh oh thank you everybody so much love goodbye Thanks for tuning into this podcast with Guy Sangstock. If you're interested in more, check out circlinginstitute.com. And if you're looking for my podcast without any commercials and a bunch of extra goodies, go to aubreymarcus.com slash supercast and check out what we have going on there. I love you guys and I'll see you next week.